0: Hello and welcome to episode 264 of the Random Nintendo podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. I'm Kevin. And man, this episode, <laughs> this is, this one's a bit crazy. Uh, we already were planning for some wackiness because we have impressions of both WarioWare get together and the over the top arcade racer that is Cruisin' Blast. But then, uh, then that Nintendo Direct happened. You know the one, the Mario movie cast. And uh, it's been about what thirty six hours as of this recording, and I I don't know. Yeah, 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 my my yeah, my brain still feels kind of broken from what we witnessed. Um, And I think collectively, because of all the crazy. uh, Well, actually, Kevin, you came up with a great title. Why don't you tell everyone what the title is? Uh,
1: the title is AK forty seven. It's just going to be me and uh, Angel (laughs) speaking for forty seven minutes.
0: I think that I think that came and went. Last week, which by the way, that was a, that was a fun episode to listen to, but it's weird to be on the other side and listen opposed to speak, but yeah, it, it was a fun one. Um, but no, this episode, Kevin, your, your beautiful title to describe the mayhem that has been the last few days.
1: Oh, uh, full title is look how they massacred our boy, my boy. I, I know, I think it's my boy in the Godfather. I've never seen the Godfather, but, uh, Considering we're going to be talking about WarioWare and Jason Liz for his puns, we're coming this episode. Mm-hmm. Look how they wassacred our boy.
0: Which I mean, if I could give you a standing ovation, that somehow made. I guess standing ovations do have clapping, so thank you. Like that—that that is quality, quality work. Thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, we're we're going to talk about that casting in some more detail with Mario, um, along with some slightly more civil news. Not everything's crazy. You know, uh, episode 264, we're talking about N64 coming to Switch Online. Uh, we have Kirby, we have Bayonetta, we have Voice of Cards and its demo. So definitely those timestamps on this episode's blog post, Ramtown.com, can come in handy because there's a lot. It was a, it was a big day, big week, big show, whatever you want to call it. But, um, I guess it kind of hit the wacky ground running, um, let's talk about the two games that both fell, you know, into that category. There's WarioWare and there's cruising blast and i think *Warrior is one of those <laughs> now rare releases where multiple of us have played it at launch or since launch so um i, I feel like it was only two episodes ago where i i gave my initial impressions from the demo you know kind of mechanics of like oh it's a pointer but like it has variety and its abilities and that sort of thing so i'm kind of curious now to hear angel you've been playing it too i'm kind of curious what yeah you i'm angel by the it. way i don't think we. you never said your name i thought you said pretty your sure you did Pretty sure you did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. I mean I feel like every five minutes you should just remind people who you are. Just even in mid warrior wear impression, just be like, yeah, you know, multiplayer fun, I'm Angel, and just keep going. Oh, yeah. But but yeah, how is Angel who you are? How 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 are you liking WarioWare? Um
2: compared to other warrior Wears, not as much. But I'm still enjoying it. Like it kind of how I expected. It was very fun in the beginning, and it still kind of is fun in really short bursts, but it's not one that I could play for more than like 15 minutes before I am kind of done with it already for the day, and then I just kind of move on to something else. But then I get that craving again to want to play it, and then I'll be for like another 15 minutes. So, honestly, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I could see it having a lot of longevity because of it. But I guess because of its, like, new mechanic, like, every... There are... I want to say there are less macro games overall. So you do, like, learn them pretty quickly. So, like, the variety tends to die down pretty, yeah. Like, faster than usual, it feels like, compared to the Wario wars, At least, like, the ones I've played, which is just, um... Touched. The original. And... Ah, huh, maybe just smooth those moves.
0: Two. Smooth moves. You, I played smooth moves with you in college. Oh yeah,
2: well yeah, smooth moves. Oh yeah, and of course um, DIY. So okay, I guess I played a few of them. I just did not play Golden, which I think is just a collection, and I did not play yeah. the GameCube one.
1: You didn't
0: play or twisted, or twisted even, yeah. which is oh yeah, arguably yeah the best one. Yeah,
2: definitely did not play Twisted. Uh, yeah. It's um, so
1: weird how Twisted's always I mean, considered one of the better ones. I haven't, it like, I haven't played it, but.
2: Yeah, but in my head I'm not like I can't I, I really don't see how it could be the best I could see how it could be fun, but I could see it I getting more par, tiring yeah, than this love quickly that one
1: for some reason. Because you yeah, know I you're think just part, twisting?
0: I was just gonna but. say I think part of the reason is because at the time it was such a unique control input. And they do use it in some clever way. I mean, yeah, you're just kinda of rotating, but they they got creative with it. Like almost I think the fact that it was more limited and like it made them get more creative. Because, you know, with with wireware touch, there's so many different ways you can use a stylus, or with yeah, moves, for sure. moves, and so I many mean, ways you can swing a Wii remote. But like Twisted, there's just that mechanic, and the fact that they milk 200 games out of it that all feel fresh. I think that's why people resonate with it.
2: Yeah, and over the years, like they've squeezed Twisted mini games into other into other compilation games, especially WarioWare, So like, I've played a couple of the mini games. Like, I mean, there's one in Get It Together, and I remember there was one or two of them in WarioWare Touched, where you have to like spin the screen with the touch screen because mm-hmm. you know you're trying to emulate the spinning i remember you're we like feeding a, I mean, horse a donut or something
0: there's one so, and get it together as well
2: yeah that's what i said before that
0: oh sorry i missed that
2: <laughs> yeah we're, we're missing each other i think even i guess but i missed early with something i said apparently but um but yeah i mean like that aside or its longevity aside um i guess i am happy that um control being limited to certain characters wasn't as detrimental as I thought it would be if anything it doesn't feel as limiting as i thought
0: um mm-hmm.
2: it's it's pretty fun like um I like that for the most part like you, you know you're picking a squad of three to five people and you know you jump into these games it's random which one is gonna come up next and yeah usually you are basically picking like all right these three are the ones i'm gonna like, I don't know, breeze through mini games with. And then these two, oh man, well, they're okay, but if I get them, it's going to be tough. And I wouldn't say that any character is, like, none of the characters are badly designed. they are obviously intentionally designed to be incredibly limiting just to give it some difficulty. Like, the ones that like everyone will point out to are Cat and Anna, who will continuously mm-hmm. jump, and you can never get them to stop jumping. And as they jump, you can also fire shurikens and move left and right. Except Kat is always facing right and Anna is always facing left. You also can't change that either. And of course, like the, the center of usually any discussion involving like quote unquote bad characters is 9 which, you know, like, like I said, he's definitely not badly designed and like you, I, I pick him a lot of times it's because it's like, you know, like I want to make these levels really hard because he can't jump and he's always moving left to right really fast and he only turns around when he hits an obstacle. And he can only attack upwards. So if you miss the target, if your target is like to hit something on the right side of the screen, you have to wait till the character moves to the right. And if you happen to miss the timing and you bounce off, you have to wait to move all the way to the left, then all the way to the right. And sometimes that's just enough to cause you to fail the mini game. Cause you know in Warrior War, you only get like a couple seconds to think on your feet. But one thing is to kind of like jump ahead into some of the other modes besides, you know, just having a single player slash co-op campaign, which I did do entirely in co-op. And while a lot of levels were incredibly easy because of that, it was definitely fun all the way through. Like my brother and I, we played, you know, we rolled the credits on our first session just because, you know, the games aren't long, but it was just that fun. It's only after that, you know, now that we've beaten it, that we haven't really played it and like I mentioned a few times I have played it. I can only really do short bursts before I'm kind of over it. Mm-hmm. But but there is a mode, like um, I think every single week it's like a championship cup. And Nintendo will pick, you know, pre like preset arrangements of characters or character that you must complete minigames with for a high score, and you upload the scores online and you're pretty much competing with the world and your friends. And, of course, the first week is 9-volt only. So you have to see who could go the furthest with just 9-volt, which, you know, it's great because he's, like, a really hard character to use. And the mini games already start with the speed really, really, you know, ramped up, which makes it even harder to beat. But other than that, like, the nice thing about it as well is that there are... I guess a lot of other multiplayer modes that don't even necessarily use the mini, the micro games as well. Like there's a volleyball one that you, you have to ban certain characters because otherwise like, it's depending on what you end up with. um, It can not, it could not even be fun for the other person. Like they're just straight up broken. Uh, and this one, it, I don't want to call it, it was like an oversight, but it was just kind of like, they wanted to have a volleyball game in there and they're like, Orbulon is going to mess us up. Like, he just doesn't let your opponent play the game. And they're like, Yeah, but we really want to have the volleyball game in there. So it's, you know, it's up to us to make it playable by not picking them. Because we didn't know this. My brother picked Orbulon, who has a tractor beam that extends pretty far below him, and anything that touches it just stops moving. And I picked, um, what was it? 18 volt? Who can't move whatsoever. He's like completely stationary, but he could fire like a little projectile in any direction he wants as long as you're aiming with the joystick, which makes him honestly kind of one of the better characters because he's just, you he could just beat mini games really fast since he has that ability. But no matter what I do with the volleyball, no matter how hard I try to shoot it to his side, like my brother could just stand in the middle with a tractor beam, pretty much blocking the entirety of the, you know, of where I can shoot it through and just keep pushing it back. Like, he doesn't even have to, even he doesn't really have to play the game. But besides that, there is, like, a Smash Brothers-esque arena mode where you just fight it. You literally pick a couple characters to start with, and then it randomly shuffles them every, like, couple seconds. And you're just fighting each other. You're just trying to attack each other and, you know, just, like, dwindle that. Just whittle down that health, and once you knock everyone out, then that's it. But kind of like the other one, some characters are way better at combat than others. And yeah, like if you're fighting 9Volt's mom, 5Volt, who is also another stationary character that can't move, well, at least her body can't move, you are in control of like her demonic spirit that could freely move around the entire screen, ignoring all obstacles, all everything. You're pretty much just a cursor. And wherever you want, Five bolts want to teleport to you, just, you know, we press A. She teleports there with like, you know, a little scream attack that has a kind of a decent range and deals a lot of damage. And it kind of makes her hard to hit and it makes her impossible to dodge. So yeah, they're, they're just fun and quirky. They're definitely, they almost feel like they're like drinking games. <laughs> they're, they're like, they're kind of on that category. Like, Games you're definitely not going to play competitively, games you're not going to play often, but they could be fun in a rowdy party setting where people are just wanting to press buttons, which is how we describe a lot of this game.
0: But <laughs> People wanting to press buttons. That is weirdly accurate though. Yeah, I, I get what you mean.
2: Yeah, cause you know, like the wackiness, the weirdness, like it's all, it's all intact. It's all great. Like way, I mean, I know like it's that common knowledge right now that like WarioWare, the World War team handles um, Rhythm Heaven, and mm-hmm. you know I'm expecting like even before going in, or we saw some of these previews, like we we're expecting like oh, there's always like a reference or two to Rhythm Heaven and vice versa. But damn, like they put in so many references, like almost to the point where it's like it's almost like they're talking to Nintendo, like come on, like we really, like we practically made. Every NPC, a Rhythm Heaven related character. Like, it's, let us make a Rhythm Heaven game. <laughs> and in like my house,
0: it, she has a Rhythm Heaven toy of the Onion Head thing.
2: Oh, well, yeah. She also has a plushie of um, the main character from Rhythm Heaven Megamix. And mm-hmm. then, like, the pedestrians in the street are the rabbits from Rhythm Heaven. Like, they, there's just so many. It's kind of ridiculous. But, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, was it a full price game? I don't remember it being. It's 50. 50. Both forty nine, not not yeah. fifty nine, right? Yeah. Switch games aren't normally fifty nine, right, or are they, or can they be?
0: They're fifty nine.
2: No. Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I bought like a full price game, so just kind of like you know, yeah, like I'm sure Pokemon will be fifty nine. Yep. Yeah. But, well, but yeah, I mean, it was fun. Um, but man, I, honestly, I don't think it's worth the price if it was forty nine. I mean, I'm okay with it just because you know, like there's still some series that I'm a sucker for where I'll pay whatever and just deal with it but if I were to like recommend this to someone else I would say like wait for it to be 39 After $39 mm. feels much more for a price. Cause you really do get to see everything the game has to
0: offer in less than 4 hours. And- Which is true of all the WarioWares to be fair but they all came in at cheaper prices at the time.
2: Yeah, because, you know, like they're like on handheld. So like they were kind of, you know, standardized with the press of those. And this one is kind of in line with those. And if any, if anything, maybe a little less just because like, you know, they had to design these character cursors. And I'm sure part of that reason is the reason we have much less, bleh, way less mini games because, you know, their thought process is like, well, if we have like 12 Wario style mini games, um, but we have like 18 characters, that's like we have, you know, 12 times 18. That's like hundreds of Wario-style minigames because there's, like, that many different ways to play it. But you don't really get that sense that much except for, like, the extreme characters that are very different. Like, yeah, playing a level as Wario feels way different than playing as a as a skateboarding 9-volt because Wario could just freely move around the screen and tackle wherever he wants. But there are, like, a handful of characters that could freely move around the screen and either shoot a projectile or just tackle... At will. So, like, those six characters pretty much feel identical. There's, like, a few characters that walk and jump. Those also pretty much feel the same. It's just, like, a slight difference in difficulty. That, yeah, like, it's almost... It'd be generous to tell them, like, yeah, like, I get, like, eight the value of, like, 18 different mini games from one minigame. It's like, no, it still feels like the same minigame, especially because some of these... You know, it's WarioWare. You complete some of these in less than a second sometimes. So it so doesn't really te- even matter how you complete them.
0: Technically, I think there is the same number of micro games. I think it is 200. But yeah, to your point, I I don't know. There's this recurring oddity where some of the games feel kind of similar because there's only so much you can do, right? But then also, there's somewhere like they have these characters. With these riffs, like you mentioned, Cat and Anna and how they bounce around. And then they don't even use that for the minigames. So, like Cat and Anna's boss fight is a memorization game where you just need to stick them on one side of the screen or the other that <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, that, one, one, that
2: was game. like, the, they completely yeah. didn't use it. It was like, what and the that's, heck? And that's an like exact other ones did. premise. Like the other ones were, were smart. I like, oh, yeah, a lot
0: cool. did, but that one did. And that exact premise is also what they used for a Splatoon microgame and for like four other microgames. So, I think the raw number of games is around 200, but it's just they. they it feels like they're kind of going to the same uh like structure of micro games repeatedly. Like they're pulling from the same well, kind of. Which they always do in Warrior Wear. Like you know, there's always like three or four that are kind of similar. But like, it just feels more so to your point in this one. Which like yeah. I feel like every time, I feel like every time we talk about get it together, my perspective on the core like mechanic kind of changes because like you know, it first I was worried it'd be too samey after seeing it at E3. Then I tried the demo and I was like, oh, well, there's actually a lot of variety. Then I got the final game and now I think I'm somewhere in the middle where I am leaning more towards you where it's just like, yeah, there's some, you know, there's some different characters. Um, I didn't think of it as a difficulty thing. I think that's a really interesting point that if you're talking about the actual micro games and not the multiplayer mode, you can choose to say, yes, I know Krygor moves physically slower, but I want that extra challenge. I was just thinking of it as all characters are not created equal and I kept gravitating towards the same set by the end. Because like I know those were the ones that could get it done. While Crygor sometimes can't even make it all the way across the stage <laughs> if you're playing solo. Obviously co-op you have someone there to help. But, um, but yeah, it is interesting that just like because of the structure of the game, everything just feels a little more like redundant than it has in other Warrior Wars, which is crazy mm-hmm. when we're talking about how like Gyro can somehow have 200 unique micro games <laughs> and this one somehow can't. But.
2: Yeah, it, and like you said, it's just because of the design space of the games. Like, it, it does come down to you know the use of the different characters to make them feel different. But yeah. you know, like you it's talking about Warrior Touched, like you had a set of micro games. Like every character, like they managed to essentially split the features of the uh, of the Dia so that it just feels like there's way more variety. Like yeah, like mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. If, if in fact there are the same number of mini games for each Warrior, War, then the fact that it just felt like there were way less than this one, it's kind of a testament That's to that. Because, you know, yeah, because you had, like, the, you had the microphone minigames, you had the sliding minigames, you had the dragging mini games, you had the tapping minigames. And, you know, like, they all function very different. It made each character, I you don't know, just feel, I guess, that much more distinct. But here it's just, like, it just goes by theme. So it's like, oh, you're in the food theme. But all the micro games are functionally the same. Here in the life lifestyle thing. It just changes the, the backdrop.
0: But Which, uh, for the historians history. of WarioWare out there, that is what the original WarioWare and what the GameCube like semi-sequel also were. It was all just... Yeah, SMK, except... Essentially. But it felt different. Yeah, like, this feels more confined.
2: Yeah, there were a few that... I mean, there are a lot of... I will say, like, there are a lot of minigames that I do generally like, and they're really funny. Like, some of them just have, like, really mm-hmm. funny punchlines. I mean, I love... And, like, obviously, I know Jason does, too. Like, I love, like, the really crude, a lot of times, like, sloppily hand-drawn art that they yep. use for, like, characters. Yep. Like And, yeah, like, and I remember, like, hearing some impressions, especially, like, from some people saying, it, like, oh, my God, like, this game looks, like, it's, like, visually terrible. Like, why do the characters look like they were drawn by, like, an 8-year-old? But it's, like, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, like, taste is subjective, so it might not jive with everyone, but... That's part of, like, what I love about WarioWare just because it's so crazy and and quirky and weird. And, like, I still generally, like, recommend this game, but I just feel it should be more in line with the prices of the other ones. Because, you know, it also, yeah, it's an HD, but it doesn't feel like it's kind of pushing even the HD-ness more so than Smooth Moves pushed the Wii with however, whatever it did. But... Mm-hmm. I will
0: say though, honestly, that presentation wise, you, yeah, it, it's so everything's a little crisper, yeah, but it just like, it looks really nice on a big TV. I mean, Smooth Moves did too at the time, and because neither of them, you know, they're both like 2D art. Well, this one is some 3D, but you know, um, it, it's not like pushing the boundaries of the Switch's capabilities, but like the personality does really shine through, and I appreciate, you know, that there are little flourishes in animation that they didn't do before, you know, each microgame's graphic style does, really pop like the the transitions between micro games here and what used to be like the elevator back in the day like those are very varied and are really cool and you know like the, i, I kind of like the story they did this time with the sort of meta premise of the cast is sucked into a game they built and now they need to complete the games within the game like it all it all works very well from a presentation perspective even if it's not you know knocking your socks off with its visual fidelity or whatever yeah and even some of the micro games, to be fair, are really good. Like, I mean, I I love. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my all time favorite game. But Nine Volt's Boss, being like just straight up Super Mario World, but you're playing it as like WarioWare characters with their weird mechanics. Like, I think that's great. Like, there is some very creative stuff in there. Definitely a lowest point just,
2: in the game, but
0: you yeah, are I mean, uh, you are wrong, sir. Yeah, but um, yeah, two each around. Yeah, I do have a question about multiplayer because I think I tried as much as you. Am I correct? I think I saw this. Am I correct that? Some of the head-to-head micro-game multiplayer challenges don't let you pick your character. Yeah. See, that to me is interesting because that – great. Yeah, that's what I was saying because that is what I was saying about the demo because smooth moves. I thought one of the cool things smooth moves did is the kind of duality of you have to figure out what the pose is and get in that pose and do the micro-game. And this is kind of like, oh, you need to figure out who the character is, what their quirk is, and then do the micro-game. But at the same time, we're talking about you know how like the characters are like a scaling difficulty for some, or maybe just in incompet- like not good for others. And it's kind of like, what if you get stuck with a really bad character in a micro game? You're kind of stuck because they aren't all created equal. Whether it's a choice for difficulty or a choice for just bad game, you know, design they they aren't equal. So, like, did you find that hindering at all, or did it actually kind of keep it fresh? The fact that sometimes you're like no. a Krygor, whether you want him or not.
2: No, I I always found that as a positive just because you're forced to adapt. Like, I, I mm-hmm. love any mm-hmm. game that just forces you to adapt on the spot. And honestly, like, yeah, like, if, say I like that you could pick, I like that you get both options. I like that there's, like, some versions where you could just pick the mini games without being able to pick the character. Or you could just pick random. Like, I think I have more fun when I let the game pick the character because then it's just, like, beat it with this. Just do your best yeah. versus, you know, picking what you want. That, that's and how I they the do demo. have a, they had like a mode where I think the challenge after the nine volt one was to create create your own team, and you know, complete as many mini games as you can and the highest score, you know, and you're competing for the highest score. But when you're picking your team, every single character is assigned a point value, because they know that like oh. You know, like, if you pick the quote-unquote easy characters, you're not gonna, you know, exponentially gain as many points as you would if you picked Ninevolt and some of the other auto-jump characters. So you're really... And the point difference is almost, like, encourage you to pick all the really hard characters. So you're pretty much just playing as, like, Catanana, Ninevolt, pretty much all the auto-movers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it almost makes it more fun just because it's that much harder. But right. But, you know, me, mean, like, I, I love... I love it when things are more difficult,
0: so... Yeah, and, and honestly, like, I, you know, if you go back and listen to our episode two episodes ago, I was saying this randomization's great, but just, like, as I went through it, some of the characters really were not... I guess you could say they're more difficult. I was just like, oh, like, I randomization's cool to a degree, but, but yeah. I mean, I'm mean, i enjoying the game. I think you're spot on that it's not the strongest WarioWare. Um, you know, obviously, as we were talking about, some of the, like, the skeletons of the microgames are a little too similar sometimes, but... It's, it's just great I to be back really in that wacky the, world. I
2: mean, hmm. you have the the abundant the abundance of multiplayer modes, but it's really missing like toys and like. Other well, it has Prezies
0: or whatever they call them, Prezzi's, Yeah, It has the little unlockables. But yes, it's not like the like weird. Yeah, but they're n- just like, like, A but they're just like museum with. things yeah. you look at.
2: Like I mean, like the the toys. Like I remember like some of them like are incredibly simple like I think one was just like a yo-yo on the 3DS I mean on the DS where like you swing it down and it goes like expansively up to the other screen I think you even have to like flip it upside down and some of them are just like really quirky and you know like they're literally just trying to use the functionality of the system they're on in very weird ways to so make you go like oh right, right. I could be a chameleon thing it's almost like a precursor to the chameleon mini game in Rhythm Heaven or what else was there um, you know, they also had like a two-player game where you have one person looking at each screen, holding his shoulder button, and you're playing basically air hockey. Oh, there's a bunch of really weird ones. Some weird instrument ones. There's a breathalyzer in one of them. I remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, we're kind of missing that, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it came at the cost of just like, like I said, designing and programming all those characters. Because it, it's fine the models themselves what... also look pretty good too. Like they're really sharp, nice-looking CG. 2D looking character models that they do think they, I like
0: them, and they have nice attention to detail, like Jimmy T's mustache animating for the first time and stuff, like mm-hmm. it swings around and yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think in a weird way this is almost like, like I guess WarioWare because it's missing some of the stuff. Like it, in a way, like the Wario Cup's cool. I know you already mentioned it, but like they they added and they took away because like Wario Cup, you know, this game ultimately once you get past the really brief story is always a high score attack. So it felt like a, more, a matter of time until they made that high score actually relevant in a way with, you know, online. Um But, yeah, it feels like in a weird way it's almost like a standardizing of WarioWare. Like, it's not quite as quirky, if that makes sense. You know, they got rid of the toys. They kind of unified how the microgames work. Like, it's, yeah, it's almost like a mainstreaming, a streamlining of WarioWare, for better or worse. It's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah. But still, still weird as you play it. But not, you know, crazy in the way it used to be, maybe. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess that's I mean you pretty much I think I think I chimed in as you went, but that's pretty much WarioWare. Like I don't really have anything to add. Um I'm i I'm I'm just glad we have a new one. Like an actual new one, not a compilation. And hopefully it does well enough yeah. that Nintendo expands it or, you know, makes a sequel or does D L C or something that brings back some of the crazy. Some of the additional crazy I should say. Yeah, Overall um, happy with it? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're taking a critical eye because we know how high the highs of the series can be, and this is just like this is like a solid like B plus WarioWare, I'd say. Yeah. Speaking um, about crazy,
1: hmm, that that's where that you it? go into Cruising Blast. Oh,
0: you were segueing me. Whoa, God okay. Damn it. So yeah, along with, <laughs> I thought you had like some point you were going to bring up. Like, what? What's crazy, Kevin? Uh, but yeah, along with WarioWare, Speaking of crazy, <laughs> I've also Wendell. been playing cruise and blast I did um one which, thing on this podcast yeah i know and it, and it didn't even it didn't even land i'm sorry that was all my fault but yeah so cruise and blast um you why know you in like a way this? what why am i like this <laughs> i don't know you've yeah, done this you've let's done forget this for the, the, ad-
1: let's forget the episode and just have an intervention with jason yeah let's let,
0: just do impressions of me <laughs> as a person who wants to go first <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll go
2: first <laughs> sales um numbers, sales numbers sales kanye, numbers
0: kanye no, kanye kanye Oh, I didn't mean impressions like an in, 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 in impression. <laughs> I meant impressions like, like hands on impressions. <laughs> I, thought <that's> <laughs> I thought that's what he meant too. No, but those are both very accurate. Uh, no, I meant like, because I'm about to give impressions of Cruise and Blast, and I'm not going to sit here going vroom, vroom. I'm going to talk about the game. Although I could just go room vroom. But no, um, yeah, Cruise and Blast. I think. um. I think it might somehow be a little crazier than WarioWare if that's possible. Um, but, like, a different type of crazy. Like, WarioWare is weird. Cruise and Blast is, as I put it on Twitter, um, the kind of experience that just screams, I'm a video game from the top of its lungs. Like, every aspect of it is just, like, if they can think of it, they'll do it. Um, you know, like, want to race as a dinosaur or a hammerhead shark instead of a car? Sure, those are unlockables. You can do that. Or want to, uh I don't know. Like, there's this track where do you want to... You start in frozen tundra, and then you launch off a jump, and as you fall, like the, 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 there's a giant yeti that appears, and he rips open the earth, and then you fall through the earth into like a weird hidden tropical paradise. You land, you keep racing, and then you drive between two other yees who are having a fist fight down in paradise. but that's a thing too in the game. It's just like pure unadulterated like video game. And you know, on some on some level, I guess that's par for the course for the cruising series. Have, have you guys played past cruising games? Are you? versed in the cruisins, just USA uh,
1: so that's the tamest <laughs> USA and
0: wait what that's the, uh, USA is the tamest of the bunch okay like, yeah so got, whatever got whatever two
1: wacky. two cruising games were like in arcades it was like cruising world uh, or there's cruising USA else.
0: there's world cruising there's exotica USA, world exotica exotica yeah, yeah so those two exotica is where it started to get a little wacky Um, so but either way even with like cruise in usa then you guys kind of know it you know it's always been about you gotta get to finish line as fast as you can not really focused on realism lots of like airtime the ability to like pop a fire spewing wheelie with the double tap of the gas button at any time you know all in these scenarios that play around you that just escalates like in usa it was somewhat grounded but it'd be like oh you're driving you're driving to the airport suddenly all these fire jets are around you and then by the time exaka rolled around you like in jungles and underwater and things like that um and that the escalation of ridiculousness is just like hit a new high with blast and I, I think what the team over at raw thrills did so well with this one is this ridiculousness is layered on top of a very solid foundation um because at the end of the day you know you can have a track where the london eye ferris wheel or the randy's donut sign here in la break off their support beams and roll all over the city as you're racing through it and then you have to jump through them to get to the finish line like you know they, they can do that design they did that design but the underlying gameplay isn't fun it just doesn't matter. And fortunately with um, Cruise and Blast, it, it, it's, they made it fun in two ways. Um, in the races themselves, they add a couple new mechanics uh, beyond just gas and brake. Uh, one is a drift system, so you can tap the right shoulder button to enter to drift that, if held long enough, turns into a boost. It's very Mario Kart, uh, kind of right down to being able to occasionally cram in drifts in portions of the track where you didn't think you'd be able to drift. Like It's not like snaking, but it's you know it's kind of that sort of, you can squeeze in drifts here and there, get a little boosts as you go. Um, but then separately, there's also a new Nitro Blast mechanic, hence the game's name, uh, where you have three boosts you can activate at any time of your choosing. Kind of is reminiscent of the boost system in like F Zero or Excite Truck or Excite Bots, where you know in those they recharge, at least in F Zero they recharge, but you still like have this big boost that you pick when to fire versus you know the drift mechanic where it's just as you drift that's when it goes. Um, and these are on top of all the smaller boosts you could always do in cruising. Uh, you know, like double tapping different buttons, doing a wheelie, you know. A new one actually in this one is if you – I think it's new in this one. If you inch past a racer and kind of do a spin on them, um, I think I think this might be yeah, the first time in series it does this. It goes into like a burnout style, almost like slow-mo takedown of the opponent's car. Um, So all this is unfolding in races. Um, but then there's this other new aspect they put on top of that, which is the gameplay loop. So to – the new gameplay loop, I guess you say. So to set the stage here – uh, the game in all has 29 tracks spanning nine different environments. Some are remixes of others. Some are wholly original. You know, you'll see across these environments, some like individual pieces get shuffled around, almost like little building blocks. So there are 29 tracks. Some are just like different lighting and reverse pieces, but 29 tracks. Um, and and none of these have laps. You're just doing a mad dash from the start to the finish. Uh, sometimes the race can be as short as like 50 seconds. Like some of these tracks are pretty short. Um, which, you know, for the original arcade cabinet version of this game, because this did start in arcades, that makes a certain amount of sense. You want to give people a crazy experience, but you want to get them to keep paying up, so you keep it short. Um, But when you port it to a home console like they did here, you got to go beyond that, right? Like, you can't just have one 50-second track. And and sure enough, four of the nine environments in the Switch version of Cruise and Blast are new to Cruise and Blast. They're either entirely original or, uh, interestingly enough, Taking tracks from other raw thrills arcade games and shoving them into cruising, um, but you know, nonetheless, however the tracks are laid out, you, there there needs to be a, a driver for what ha huh, for why uh, people should keep playing, and that's back to the gameplay loop. So, simp- it's it's simple, yeah, it, it works. the The entire game hinges on the ability to upgrade its twenty some odd cars, which again aren't just cars. There's a helicopter, there's a unicorn, there's a UFO. There's all sorts of stuff. But anyway, as you complete races, you actually level up your specific vehicle. Each new level you unlock, um, you, you do so with experience points that you get by where you place in the race. And then that uh, leveling up gives you more accessories for your car. Neon lights, body kits, decals. It's all cosmetic. But what's kind of fun is seeing just how crazy your car can get. Because again, they're not all cars. So being able to buy a neon kit that lights up a Triceratops' horns... You know, that's that's kind of a reward in and of itself, right? Um, so so you go, you basically do this loop where you go car by car, or if you're into it, you can go car by car and level them up to the four or five unlocks they have, then go to the next car and keep doing that. Um, and you may have noticed when I was talking about it, I was saying you need to buy, like, a neon kit. And that's because experience only gets you the unlock for the item. The other half of the loop is if you want to actually add the item, there's a separate cash system at play. And for every stunt you pull, every takedown of an opponent you do... Um, your placement in the race, they all earn different amounts of cash. But there's also cash scattered around the track itself, very much like if you guys remember Beale Adventure Racing on the N64, it's just little piles of money they can grab if you position yourself well on a track or, you know, take a shortcut or that sort of thing. And then in addition to that, each track also has three hidden keys to collect, which requires you, again, to kind of find alternate paths, hit a jump the right way, all that, which, which just further helps with replayability. So when all this comes together, the speed, the takedowns, the cash and key collection, the the track set pieces with, like, helicopters firing missiles or volcanoes erupting or police cars trying to run you off the road, like, it all concentrates into this, like, amazing sense of controlled chaos, basically. And it's just really fun to play. You could even say it's a blast to play, which I'm so sorry. But, yeah, I'd say, like, you kind of need to see video of it in action, to kind of get a sense of it, but even the video doesn't seem to do it justice because you really need to see it in your own eyes, on your own TV. Like, it's fast, it's vibrant, it's running at 60 frames, it's 1080p when docked, it's just pure, like, distilled video game. And it's not perfect, to be fair. You know, the graphics are vibrant and smooth, but they aren't necessarily the cream of the crop in terms of uh, detail. I will say, uh, from Mm -hmm. the
1: videos I have seen, graphics-wise, it does look like hmm a dreamcast game here we go
0: yeah it's like a it's like a crisp dreamcast game maybe yeah, like exactly. gamecube if you want to be generous mm, but it works like no i actually like, wouldn't go that far but okay well don't don't <laughs> be generous i wouldn't be generous. be generous all right then don't be generous <laughs> I will say but though, no it I, is it is a crisp yeah it's very that's much not necessarily of, a bad thing like i no, love it's, how power it's, powers, a, it's a style yeah. choice, I think. and that's a yeah that's yeah. a
2: dreamcast game i still love how crazy
0: taxi looks like it yeah, and it, it, like, it it works. Like, it, again, it, when you're playing it on your TV, like, when you have it on big screen in front of you, and it's vibrant, and it's flashy, and it's fast, and it's smooth, it works, and it works well. I mean, there's occasionally yeah, You have, tank. like, a 90-inch TV, huh? No, I have a 55 or something. It's not that big. Oh. All the money but, that he makes um, off our,
1: our labor he doesn't give us any, any <laughs> money. Yeah, That's if so I made money, TV. I think I lose no, yeah. money on did,
0: RAM Nintendo.
2: Yeah, Kevin, did you know that we actually have been getting royalties and, like, payments, but he keeps it all? What?
0: Which I get... And you know, it it it? you know what I spend it on? You know what I spend it on? Cause he does, uh, pay for the site stuff. So, you know what I spend I it guess, on? Um, these royalties that don't exist. I spend it on, uh, WarioWare and Cruise Blast. So you guys are paying oh. to hear me talk to you about these games. How's that feel? But, right, uh, we need to start no, I,
1: every, we're going to need to have everybody stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> Run strike. But, I uh, know
0: what, what, I was going to say is, um, to the point of the graphics, there, there can be some jank, but, Like, there's some, like, clipping and stuff like that, but it's kind of weirdly fitting for the era that, you know, Cruise and Blast is sort of a send-up to, so I I don't even mind it. Um, I think the the huge glaring omission is no online play, no multiplayer, no leaderboards per track, nothing like that. It sounds like, based on interviews, uh, it was due to the release timeframe, like, they just couldn't get in there. But they're kind of making subtle th- comments like, hey, you know, maybe if it sells well enough, then uh, maybe we can add it or something. Or maybe we'll do a remaster of the first three games and it can be in there. That's so. a great
1: way to not have anybody buy your game. Yeah. Saying, but hey, is- we, if you buy this game, we might. But no, just like if you got to lie to somebody – just do it, cause yeah. I, I, just off of the bat, favorite. no multiplayer. That's
0: like, wow, dude, really? Well, there's local multiplayer. Well, what's
1: the PR thing? To be
0: yeah. fair, they never once said it would have online. It's just when people ask them in an interview, so what's up with online? They say we couldn't get it in there, but maybe we can in the future. That's it. They're not like saying, you know, if we hit five hundred thousand in sales, we'll add online. Like it's not like there okay. they're just saying there's maybe hope if like possibly but like right now it's a little it's better. better as long as they're not yeah.
2: gatekeeping it like you know no 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 like no, 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 the no, no, fire no. emblem the chibi rebels because that's always sounds like the worst thing it's like yeah we're gonna give you this thing you don't want in order for you to prove to us that we should give you the thing that you actually do want
0: no it's definitely it better. is a hundred percent not that whatsoever oh yeah it's, it's them saying we couldn't get it in there but maybe there's hope if like you know if there's enough if there's enough interest in the game then maybe we can swing the budget to make it happen like they still have to build it it's not like Well it's a like it catch anything. 22 and that if that's the case to some degree yeah um, but you know even taking that into account the lack of multi the lack of online like i mean i anyone that's listened to the show for a while and given me the residuals that you guys don't get um you know, anyone that's listened to a while. They know that I'm just I'm constantly on the prowl for a good arcade racer. You know, like I tried Horizon Chase Zero or Turbo, I mean, which was fun, but you know, a little too outrunny. Asphalt Nine Legends can be fun, but a bit grounded. Has the free to play shenanigans. I love Excite Truck. I love Excite Bots. All those games. Well, maybe not Asphalt, but uh, Horizon Chase, the Excite games. You know, Cruisins back in the day. They never had online. So, like, on to some degree, like, yes, obviously, the industry's moved to a point where online is standard, but I'm okay with a single-player arcade racer game. Like, I, that's kind of part of the experience. Like, I don't mind it. And this one's really fun. It's raucous. It's zany. I can't convey properly in words how ridiculous it can be. Um, but I would say this may be the best of this sort of, like, crazy racing game I've played since Excite bots and Excite Trucks. And coming from me, that is very high praise. Um, so it's $40. Bucks. Uh, you can go through and unlock all the tracks pretty quickly. It kind of suffers from a WarioWare syndrome in that regard. But if you like the sound of the gameplay loop, the idea of you know going back and kind of evolving all your cars to their maximum crazy look, and you know the zaniness of it all, and the, even the cheesy theme music—I haven't even talked about the cheesy music. There's cheesy music, uh, you know. Then you're in for a treat with this. It is really fun. But yes, be warned—that is such a throwback. It does not have online. So, so that's Cruising Blast, um, and I think that may have primed. I think between Warware and Cruising. And the concepts of those games being crazy, we are maybe primed enough to talk about some actual craziness that happened uh, and jump into the Nintendo Direct. And I haven't actually, not even jump into the Nintendo Direct, but directly into the fire. Let's just go all the way in. The Mario movie casting. Oh, you so like, We'll start get to the this? games. Yeah, well, we'll get to the games. We'll get to the expected stuff. But I think for me at least, once that cast list came out, it basically was the Nintendo Direct. It's like I blacked out the rest of it because, like, how. How do you casually share some cool tidbit about, like, you know, Sega games coming to Switch Online and Nintendo literally producing Genesis controller hardware? Like, that's that's a bombshell for any 90s kid. Nintendo is making Sega hardware. So how do you make that announcement? And then you just casually follow it up with, hey, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong and Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. Like, you you just can't do that and expect people to not, like, forget the thing you just said. Like, it's crazy. So... How do you guys feel about the news? And and did you have the same visceral reaction that I did, where it's just like, what is even happening?
2: Not even remotely close, probably. Um, I, as any longtime listener of the podcast knows, like we've pretty much been expecting this for a long time. Obviously not like these specific people, but I mean, we've been joking around with, like, oh man, they're going to get Kevin Hart as Toad. Please put Kevin Hart as Toad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so... Like that was the level of Hollywood that I was expecting in the Mario movie. I had no idea who it was going to be, but I was like expecting like, oh, whenever they announce this, we're going to get. You know, I, I had like, I like, I even had a feeling like Jack Black was going to be put in there somewhere. But you know, like the stars of the time are always changing, and yeah, these feel very relevant. I mean, you got your Queen's Gambit, you got your. Marvel, we should we should run through the list actually. That's but, my point. but yeah, okay. but. Yeah. Right. Overall, though, um, yeah. I mean, it, I was. I, I think the most got for me was like, oh, oh, and that's kind of it. Because yeah, you know, it's, it's like I don't want to say I'm not excited for this movie, but it's like I I'm going in thinking like I am not the target demographic, so it's just like you know, just
0: take it for what it is. Right. So I. That's pretty much it. I think to your O's, I gave a lot of whats. Like I think what. I think you're right that, like, this is kind of a given because Hollywood and, we you know, we know. But I think partly for me what really happened is just it kept escalating. Like, I expected them to just publish a cast list. But, like, they kept going one by one. Like, Miyamoto trots out in his segment of the direct and then just starts one by one escalating this list. And every time I just was like, what? 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 it just kept, like – I even, like – just to make sure I wasn't, like, crazy, I did a litmus test and I showed the Miyamoto segment – to my girlfriend just to see her reaction, and she couldn't, like, as it kept escalating, she just kept laughing, and she's barely invested in Nintendo. Like, that's how, like, kind of absurdist it felt at first blush, was just, like, like, the list, for those who actually don't know it, um, it's Chris Pratt as Mario, Anna Taylor-Joy of Queen's Gambit as Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, Jack Black as Bowser, the uh, aforementioned Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, and Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, which I have to say is actually kind of an inspired choice, and then, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek. You may know him from Teen Titans. And lastly, the one previously leaked by the actor himself, um, Sebastian Mescalerco as Spike, who presumably is the foreman from the NES's wrecking crew. So when you read off the list, it's kind of like, okay. But when they did it, like, one by one by one, and it just kept getting more and more absurd, and they're like, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. And, and Moe is like, I can't wait to see Seth Sand. I'm just like, what is happening? Like, it was so... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kevin, where are you at with all this?
1: Let it be known that Angel's brother loves Sonic, okay? Loves Sonic. He always tells me, why don't you like Sonic? He's literally written as cool. In this Nintendo Direct. Is that
0: a direct quote from Elvis? Why don't you yes, like Sonic? Yes, he's you could ask as him cool? yourself, he's
1: insane. <laughs> but anyways. That's an amazing quote. Let it be known that in this Direct, Miyamoto said that Chris Pratt is so cool. So, canonically, <laughs> now Chris Pratt is just cool forever. Doesn't matter well, how know, it, possibly problematic he might be in real life. I actually don't think a, a lot of people were upset, shocked that, yeah. at the uh Chris Pratt announcement.
0: Whatever happened. So Chris Pratt, nothing Chris happened Pratt a while ago. That's
2: that's the thing with
0: Pratt is so he. Has avoided. Oh,
2: I remember there was like a tweet where people were saying like, "Oh, these are all great Chrises," or I don't know what. But no, then no, they called out Pratt
0: and yeah. So know. Pratt is a pretty devout religious dude, which is fine, and he it's yeah, kind English of World a country Warfare. boy, which is fine. But yeah, any English time World that Warfare. like, well, yeah, and but any time that like. The Marvel cast would do like a get out oh, the he's vote. He's a
2: nuthmain. Damn. All
0: right, yeah. yeah, exactly. He yeah. No, but anytime the Marvel uh, cast would like do a get out the vote or something, he wouldn't be part of it. Uh the church he's part of apparently had some homophobic stuff in the past. He won't comment on it. So everyone's taking the fact that he isn't directly addressing their questions oh, about he, things around out, right? his life. Did oh you're right, he did on the church. He basically was like, he doesn't support that. Yeah. That's stuck around with the church. But um regardless, like anytime like they did a gal vote and he wasn't there, everyone's was like, Oh, well if if Chris Pratt didn't want to like support, you know, the election to get rid of Trump, he must be a Trump supporter. And they're kinda making that logic leap and saying he's, in their opinion, bad because he liked Trump, except he never actually said that. He just wasn't part of these initiatives, so they assume that means he's against them, which is not the same thing and I don't know. It's mm. it's messy. He's never actually Sounds done twenty twenty one. Yeah, he's never done a thing. He just hasn't not done a thing.
1: Yeah. And so (laughs) I don't really care about any of that stuff, but I know a lot of people do. But I think it's, uh, he's, he's outplayed at this point. He is outside his welcome a little bit.
2: Yeah. I feel oversaturated of Chris Pratt a little. There we go. That's
1: the word that I was looking for. Oversaturated.
2: oversaturated. Definitely oversaturated. I mean, Uh, I liked him in Onward. I, I thought he had a good performance in Onward, but like when I saw him, like literally, like the first thing that popped into my mind. I was like, I was kind of hoping to see someone else. It's like, yeah. I wanted to be, I wanted to be surprised. I didn't feel surprised. I felt like this was like the like the textbook. This is who we're going to pick right now. Just because he is like the flavor of the year. Yeah. I was it's kind of hoping like
1: that of everybody that they would not cast somebody for Mario and it would just be Charles. Adam, I, I, I think I'm yeah. kind of okay with everybody else. Like Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, whatever, Peach, of course. She's gonna have to sound a little bit like Peach in the game.
0: Charlie Day as Luigi, I guess. There's, po- there's potential there. I feel like, like if they, if they, obviously they're taking Mario in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Clearly, like it I'm seems Charlie like Charlie this... Day, so um, it's yeah, not fun. It, that could work. That could work. Even Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, frankly, could work more than I expected. Like, initially, I was like, what? But then, like, there's that clip going around on Twitter you guys have probably seen of someone dubbing over the old 90s CG Donkey Kong cartoon with Seth Rogen's laugh. And when I watched him, like, oh my God, that is the personality of that Donkey Kong in that cartoon, like, to a T. I mean, it so, definitely
2: fits Donkey Kong's voice better than the voice he had in that show.
0: Yeah, honestly. yeah, exactly. And even, but like, personality wise, they made Donkey Kong kind of Surfer Bro, like, basically, stoner guy. And, like, sure, it works. It works.
2: Mm hmm. And then there is Jack Black as Bowser, which I I don't know why I said it that way, because I'm actually kind of pleased with that choice. Um, for one thing, the if you're going to like cast someone for a role that isn't already the established voice actor that's still very much alive and able to do it, I'd rather you pick something very, very different that will distance the character that much more so that they're their own thing. Kind of like Jim Carrey. That's why I actually really liked Jim Carrey as Eggman because I, he's just so different. I can't see him, not even remotely similar to, you know, the voice we're all used to. Um, Ben Schwartz kind of, he he sounds like a good Sonic replacement. I still like Roger Craig Smith more, but, you know, it still sounded like a Sonic, but not really. So his was kind of weird to get used to. It's like, I had to get. Is Parks uh,
0: and Rec a video game uh-huh. movie voice actor incubator or something? I mean, Pratt is now Mario. Ben Schwartz, who was Ra- John Rafio, is now Sonic. Like, kind of a weird coincidence. Did anyone else notice that? Am I crazy? Maybe I'm crazy. No,
1: it is a kind yeah. of a weird coincidence. Does that mean that, like, Nick Offerman will be playing Sackboy in the <laughs> Big Planet movie? <laughs> yes, yep.
0: Does Sackboy talk? Or just kind of grunt?
1: No, but since when... I mean, yeah, I guess whatever. Mario has talked before. Yeah, I mean, Charles Martin. But anyway, Angel,
0: you were you were saying?
2: So, yeah, so, like, with that in mind, Jack Black being Bowser, like, I'm cool with this because, you know, it's just distinct enough that I'm going to see this Bowser as a Jack Black Bowser. But it still comes down to how the film is going to be approached and how what, like, Miyamoto was mandating because you're either going to get him saying... These characters have to be on model because, because Mario and cast have to look a certain way. Otherwise, I'm not going to prove this. Or I could just as easily see him going, oh, please make the characters look very much your as distinct and with your signature as possible. Because I wanted to be clear that this was something created not by Although us. Although it is partly so... by
0: the is producing it and advising and consulting.
2: No, I know, but I mean, it wasn't like oh, made sure, in sure, Japan, sure. like in one of their own studios. Like he thought, like, I want to have Illuminations DNA. That way, even if we were involved, like I could still have someone to point to if people don't like <laughs> it. So, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> re- 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 t- businessman I mean, Miyamoto, Miyamoto kind of can be uh, <laughs> like Mr.
0: upends the tea table over there. So, you know,
2: cause you know, Bowser, like, he has kind of like one real look that we've really gotten used to. Like the most variation he's gotten is like, I guess, a more animalistic profile portrait that he has in Smash Brothers versus his more rounded, friendly... Dapper side of uh, uh, Odyssey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in Odyssey and just like the other Mario games, he just looks friendlier. But, you know, like Jack Black, like the part that I'm afraid of or not afraid of, I should say, afraid to see just because I I think it's going to look creepy is if like, you know, because these characters are portrayed by these famous actors, a lot of the time, I would say 80% of the time, um, animators and studios try to inject some of the physical traits of the voice actors into the characters they're playing. So it kind of sort of looks like them a little bit. And now I'm thinking like, Oh man, it's going to be like Donkey Kong. With um, Seth Rogeny qualities to him, or no Bowser. Shot, with I, no, there's no way Jack- that they do that. Yeah, I can't see. I can't see Nintendo <laughs> or,
0: like, or like Bowser with like. Jack- I can't see Nintendo going. Let's make yeah. Bowser look like the dude who does the heavy metal where they curse a lot, and let's make uh, Donkey Kong look like that dude who's known for getting high. Like they could put the voices behind them, but I can't see them putting their faces on them. You know.
2: Oh no! I no, mean, not means, their
0: actual. I'm, you know what I mean? I mean, but, like, can't I can't, can't see him making a visual. Like, but like,
2: you know, reference. like. Yeah, but either way, like, because it's Jack Black, like or, or even just, like, these things, like, I, I know for a fact, like, they're going to have Bowser, you know, he's either going to bust out into, like, a song yeah. at some point, and he's probably going to have that signature, like, Jack Black eyebrow raise smirk thing. So I guess we're going to see Bowser do that at some point. I think,
0: I think a but, music interlude is yeah, inevitable, okay. given the talent involved with this, because you got... Illumination, who did, you know, Sing and all the d- minions, and then the directors of the movie, it has been revealed, are the Teen Titan Go and Teen Titan Go, the movie's duo. <laughs> Which exactly. was a musical. Aaron uh, Horvath and Michael uh, Jonick
2: Which I did really like that movie, so it's not like... I, I don't feel like this movie's in the wrong hands. Like I think because of that, it really fun, because... Like I said, my, my brother and I really love the Teen Titans. Go to the movie, and the movie.
0: screenplay is being done by the dude who wrote the second Lego movie again, named Matthew Fogel, which I think also has music. So, Oof, I have <laughs> not yeah, seen so that it's movie. uh, it's it. If there's not some sort of music interlude, and considering how much we like the first one, I don't know why I haven't seen it. I what haven't either, see? and I really like the first one. The second movie, yeah, the second Lego movie, yeah.
1: Well, nobody saw it. it bombed.
2: Yeah, like, like like why is that? Like we, I mean, but presumably, did you enjoy the first one, Kevin? Or Oh, yeah. I saw that, uh, your guys' house. Yeah. I loved it. You yeah. Agree? Yeah. So, so why didn't any of us it's watch so it? Like, were any of us like, like, Hey, it might capture some of the first, or we were just it's like,
1: oversaturated <laughs> with Chris
2: Pratt. It's
0: like, it all comes oh, back to him.
2: Another Chris Pratt.
0: <laughs> I think there's just like, they did like three Lego movies in like two years or something. It's just like, okay. Yeah. They had Ninjago. Ninjago, Ninjago and Batman. Yeah. So Batman. So it wasn't just <laughs> Pratt saturation, oversaturation. It was also just Lego oversaturation, but <laughs> double whammy.
2: Yeah. But I didn't see the Ninjago one. Well, I saw it in TV Another one years that's later. That's yeah.
0: but which
2: was it was a fun, it was a fine movie, but it definitely felt like it was working off of a like a checklist yeah. instead of like gotta I, I, this work. It, it just felt like it's literally the same humor to, from the. To your movie. point so, about we'll music,
0: see. they can do whatever music they want, but they start putting lyrics to existing Mario music. Ugh, I ga get, I'm getting do the Mario vibes. Like, I don't know. I mean, i do the Mario in a weird way I love, but, like, I don't know. It better be, like, n- original music. I am wondering, like... Like, I don't need Bowser to be, like, you know, like, Teen Teen I am underground s- now. I am in a pipe now. Like, he does not hmm. need to do that. Like, no. <laughs> I do not. Oh, <laughs> oh God, and feel- then it's, like, this Pratt's English. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now that you've said that, now I don't feel like mm-hmm. it's inevitable. So but then again,
0: we also said Kevin Hart should be Toad. And want to will that into the universe, and that didn't happen. I mean, Keegan Michael Key, I think, might make well, a really I mean, good toad. Well, we, right? we we got another yeah. comedian. I and mean, Keegan has we good voices and stuff, park. so he might actually. But but you know, we we tried to will Kevin Hart into being toad. It didn't happen, so maybe they so won't will sing. Will all
2: toads sound like Keegan, or will they be? Oh my God, can you <laughs> imagine? Songs? There's just a scene where there's hundreds And Will he be every talking? toad? Just like different pitches of his voice. It could work. Yeah. It could work.
0: I mean, that's the thing. Is you know, Kevin, you're saying. I mean toads all have
2: the same voice, why not? Yeah, do that? like that that, that actually is pretty, pretty funny. And and
0: I, I like to that point, Kevin, you're saying, you know, that it kind of Charles Martin is just stuck around as Mario and I get that that's tricky for Hollywood to do big Hollywood blockbuster movie produced by Illumination and then have it not have a star vehicle in like Chris Pryor or something. But like that's kind of the thing with all this is Pratt, obviously King Michael T, Charlie Day, like they all Seth Rogen they all have actual voice acting experience. So it's not like they just cast randos. Like they have people that have done this field of work before that also have, have star power.
1: So it's not the same no, as Martinet, you're, you're right.
0: but it's, it's better than Charlie you know, like a movie But whoever.
1: <laughs> I feel like with everybody, I can wrap my head around their mouths flapping, moving mm-hmm. and hearing, you know, Anya Taylor, Anya Taylor joy, uh, Charlie Day, except Pratt. But when it comes to oh, Mario, course, yeah. like, have Hearing Kevin. Chris
0: Pratt, that's just that's just not a fit to he me. He claims he's doing a different voice. I mean, for Chris oh, Pratt, God. that range goes from sounding more like Chris Pratt to less like Chris Pratt, but still Chris Pratt. So I don't know what a different voice is. I guarantee, is serious you, Chris Pratt. It's like, yeah, there's serious Chris Pratt and there's Jesus. like goofy Chris Pratt, and that's it. But um, and I like, like I I am a. He's oversaturated, but for a long time I was a big fan of, like, his work, so, and even now I still like, you know, I still think he, he does. No, yeah, yeah, I still like Chris so, Pratt. You, Andy Dwyer
1: is a great character. Oh, yeah,
0: but he is definitely,
1: like, too much. He plays Peter Quill to perfection, mm-hmm. but, uh, like, even silly Chris Pratt, I cannot, Yeah. I cannot visualize that voice coming
0: out of Mario. The the thing I appreciate, though, is that Nintendo at least threw Charles Martinet a bone, and we're like, okay, we understand he needs to be in the project in some capacity. Like, for whatever star vehicle reason, he can't be the lead. Okay, fine. That's just Hollywood shenanigans. But at least they're like, all right, he's going to be in the movie. He'll be doing a bunch of different little, like, Easter egg hunt style, like, voices for you to find. Like, for the diehard fans, that's kind of a cool thing, and it, it, it signals, I think, from Nintendo to him that they do recognize his work and, like, wanted him to be part of the project, I think. For whatever reason, you know Highwood politics, he couldn't be the lead. And let's be real: like, can you imagine an hour and a half of that high-pitched Mario voice just doing normal dialogue? Like, Charles Martin is great at that I voice. I mean, I played I
2: forty can. plus hours. Yeah. yeah, I played forty. I played forty plus hours of Martin Luigi, but and was,
0: I never got tired of the Italian. But that's gibberish. not the same as I hearing the voice for like an hour and a half, two hours straight.
2: Exactly, it would be better because it would be better to us who word, like so. are deeply
0: vetted in Nintendo, but to like the more casual audience that this is like an XP expansion move for. I think it would drive some people crazy. Like I and and also then I mean, you get it's no different than
2: listening to Mickey or SpongeBob. And SpongeBob had a bunch of movies. SpongeBob's voice is arguably more irritating.
0: than Yeah, I is. guess that's true. But um, I was gonna say the other thing of note,
2: and it's not like they got a celebrity to voice SpongeBob when he went into a movie.
0: It but SpongeBob already talked a ton. You're going from a character that has one-liners to Yeah, but we full. have heard Mario a ton. Yeah.
1: Everybody knows what yes, Mario I sounds Yes, I know like. everyone knows what yeah, Mario the sounds like. What, Mario sounds what I'm
0: saying like. is I don't know if Nintendo or Illumination or anyone thought that us hearing let's-a-go and it's-a-me turned into two straight hours would work. Charles Martinet great, and we've heard him live. Like we've talked to him, and he's done voice to us in dialogue, and it's been great. But I don't know if Nintendo had the confidence that those one-liners being turned into fully fleshed-out emotional moments where Mario's like contemplating things is going to work, and that might. Well, be I'm not
1: saying he. It. That's all. That obviously wouldn't be all his lines, and we've heard, you know, Charles. Who was it? I think it was when he was on Conan. He was. He was actually saying like, full sentences as Wario. Yeah,
0: that's fine. Yeah, he's done his Wario in the trailer for Wario. Why,
1: that that should be proof enough that he should have been able, he should have done this. They should have just hired him. I know that you keep saying that, like, there's no star power. It's like, yeah, put everybody's name except Chris Pratt on there, and, like, people are going to see that movie. It's not like Chris Pratt is going to be the make or break for this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I would love, just love to see, like, Charles Marnie given the chance to push Mario in a different direction. Like, yeah, he might have to... I mean, they're going to have, like, the vocal coaches to maybe tone down the speed that which he talks. But it would be interesting just to hear Mario sound like Mario actually deliver, like... Potentially, you know, there's going to be a dramatic scene. There's yeah, going to be yeah. different emotions going to have to portray. And, man, I feel like we were robbed of that. I Can mean,
0: I, at any three years
2: ago, actually had a but video... Yeah, but, yeah, we're obviously talking about... I mean, obviously- we are... There's a Nintendo... Yeah, podcast, and so I was like, at
0: yeah. is E3 or Nintendo World Store or somewhere, and they had like a live talk to Charles Martinet through a screen as Mario. So I've had like oh, Comic Con, yeah, and Comic Con. No, 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 we met him there. They did. They, they did a virtual Mario where he was like behind a control. Oh, yeah, they had they, they had that at Comic Con oh, too. Did they? Okay, well, wherever it was, like I've had was a full a conversation year, but it was with Mario. Screen. Martinet's totally capable. There was a
2: kid that asked Mario um, if he has if he uses guns. Right, that's right. I forgot about that.
0: But yeah, I think Martinet's totally, totally capable. What I'm saying is, I don't know if. For better or worse, I don't know if Nintendo and Illumination and Universal thought that voice for two hours was the move, which is separate from us recognizing Martinez's talent, if that makes sense. So it's no, yeah, like, it does. and they definitely yeah. don't.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, honestly, I don't even think it's that they don't. I think it's just that they're. It's Hollywood, so like, yeah. I don't think yeah. them using a celebrity was ever not going to happen. Like, it was just like they're not; they weren't going to probably entertain. The discussion, like, no, it's Mario. We have to put a big celebrity on there. Yeah, but the fact that they threw
0: him him in in this, like, special role is better than what the Sonic movie did to... uh, Yeah. What's his name, so... (laughs) Roger Craig Smith. Yeah, so...
2: Yeah, I, I do hope at some point we get, like, a bonus feature or something. Just, like... I'm just wondering or curious if they even bothered to just do a screen test with
0: Martin A or just, like, hey,
2: let's just see what this sounds like. Like, I wonder if they actually did that, and we're like, okay, no, yeah. We did well, we, we know like, exactly
0: the answer here. What they need to do is hashtag release the Martin A cut. Like, obviously, that's that's the <laughs> only no answer. So, there we go. We'll just Damn, get two Mario movies. The
2: Mario cast. Yeah. I mean, there are very talented Mario voice imitators and other character voice imitators out there, or even them, like, they might do a reading of some scenes from the movie, like, at a convention or something like that. I, by the just way, like for
0: the fans, which, which should be kind of neat. You made the point. The the Italian gibberish is great in Mario and Luigi. And you want more of that. I will bet you right here, $5, $10 that Mario will not have an Italian accent.
2: Yeah. My gut or just like my wild prediction is going to be just because um, I know the teen Titans go to the movie. The teen Titans go in general. It's like, I don't think any other shows have gotten as meta as that show. Maybe Gumball. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm wondering if, like, for whatever's in this universe, they're going to have, like, Mario is, you know, he's famous in the Mushroom Kingdom in Mario and Luigi and in other games. He's, like, you know, a big deal. And I'm wondering, if, like, oh, it's going to be kind of the same thing where Mario's already a big deal. Maybe he has his own video game. And we're going to see Chris Pat Mario playing his own video game and maybe he's gonna make a comment. as to like, oh, why do I sound so high pitched I don't sound anything like that. But he's just gonna sound normal. Like, why did they make me sound with a heavy Italian accent? Yeah, I think by but the end of the movie, movie they to be playing a.
0: that Mario. That that you? would make sense. I, um, I do think I think it's actually gonna be an origin story because um, that lines up. Because you know, Mars originally from Brooklyn. It canon, it's canon. So an American playing the voice, and we know the foreman from Wrecking Crew, uh, Spike, is in it. So that's Mario's old job. We know Donkey Kong's in it. So that's kind of the early days of Mario. Sorta, of, or could be. So I could definitely see this starting as an origin story, but by the end they could pull a gag like that easily. And it's well in the wheelhouse, not just of Teen Titans Go, but of the Lego movies vibe as well, which the writer is here. So I think that actually oh, yeah. is probably how they'll it. it. Well yeah. Um. Well, we'll see. The, it's out it's December. This
2: randoms in the podcast.
0: No, no, we have so much more. But the movie's out in December 2022, so we have plenty of time to continue spinning our wheels on what this thing will actually be but at least we know who the crazy people in it are um, yeah. is there anything else you guys want to mention about Mario bomb movie? Sh-
2: No just waiting for the next bombshell which is the, the character
0: design reveal or just a full-on trailer oh you think they're going to do the character separate from the trailer
2: we're going to see images of the characters before the trailer I mean it's just how it always goes I mean we saw like teeth of Sonic's toned legs before we saw the trailer
0: we did not so do see- they did not do that for Detective Pikachu the first thing out was the trailer, and then the stills from the trailer became what went around. Are you sure? Pretty sure. We didn't see any visuals of Detective Pikachu? I think I there like might have been leaked concept it. art, but we didn't see any like official stuff. I think the trailer was the uh,
2: Well, regardless, I'm pretty sure we're going to see what they look like first. It doesn't matter whether it's official or not. Right. We're yeah, no, know that's true. That's like. true. Kevin, that's do, gonna be the next do so. you
0: have any parting yeah. Mario movie thoughts before we move on to the rest of the direct? <sighs>
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the movie will be fine. The French and the Gets. Japanese coming together at last in film form. Who, who did the uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest movie? What studio was that? Uh, I don't know. Cause that movie had a slime that didn't talk the entire time until the very end. It was a very powerful scene. <laughs> yeah, that ending, that, that ending.
0: Uh, also by the way no Yoshi in the movie that logic could have applied here bad ending can you imagine if they did a Mario movie where like in most Mario games he barely talks and at the end they just like have Chris Pratt say like two lines that's
1: literally what I thought the movie was gonna be I and was, I was gonna be totally
0: fine with it I would've been okay with that I mean it would've been weird but in a way but if they wall it I would've been down for that I love Wally and the lack of dialogue <laughs> man if this was some artsy movie where it was just two hours of like silent Mario navigating a world
2: could I mean, the other characters are... He's, he's in, so like, so heaven.
0: He's, like, passing through
1: heaven through, like, all the Goombas that he stomped. All the, yep, yep. And collecting coins the on Koobas the cloud along the
0: way, just like in Mario World. <laughs> yeah, it could have been good. Could have been good. You screwed up, worked. Illumination. Like, you screwed up. But, um, yeah, okay. So, I guess on to the gaming portions of the Nintendo Direct. I, I will say, though, like, in the... And I guess this segues us into the Nintendo Direct. Like, in the moment... What a ride that Cassie announcement was. Like, really the whole direct, for me at least, kind of felt like this weird roller coaster compared to other directs. Um, like I was saying this, I think, I think I said on Twitter after, but I, I did like normally, you know, when a direct happens, it's like, there's a thing, you're like, oh, that's cool, or something you feel hyped about, or there's something not there, and you're like, oh, that's a bummer. But this one, like, I felt emotionally exhausted after watching this direct because, like, it was just constant whiplash. Like, Here's news on the final Smash Bros. Fighter and the first major Animal Crossing DLC. Except Psych, it's actually coming in a couple weeks. And like here's hey look, a surprise like Astral Chain sequel, right down to the police dog mascot, except Psych, it's actually Bayonetta, which in and of itself was a big surprise. Like the whole presentation just had like this yeah. chaotic energy Chaos. that just felt weird I felt so scatterbrained afterwards. Like, I don't know how'd you guys feel about this director? It's very different vibe, I feel like. Um definitely not like that. It was
2: very a lot of pleasant surprises. Just thought like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. I didn't play Astral Chain, so I didn't get the fake count. Like as soon as the trailer came up, I was like, oh, it's Bayonetta three. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I thought the dog was from Bayonetta three. So when I saw it afterwards, it's like, oh, they they really actually did do a little twisty thingy. But you know, I guess admit it just flew by me.
0: I know, Kevin, but, yeah, you yeah, didn't I, think it was Bayonetta. Just a lot of three. pleasant surprises. What? I'm sorry. You went on record, Kevin, that that was not Bayonetta three as it was unfolding to be Bayonetta oh, three. Oh, those
2: tweets! <laughs> I, I, I love those two tweets. Yeah, you're like, nah,
0: this ain't it, Like,
1: oh, it is it. <laughs> it yeah,
2: because uh, don't, don't listen to me anymore or whatever you said.
1: Wasn't the uh, that uh, that third game that Kami is working on that's supposed to be like his superhero trilogy? Was I, I could have sworn that it was going to be that. No more heroes? No, not no. That's
0: no, yeah, uh, no. Super he has 51. a different one. Yeah, I forgot. They, they haven't named it yet. I don't think have they? Projects
1: like big hero or something like that yeah yeah so i thought it was gonna be that because you know i see kaiju and that's exactly what that game was teased to be so right right Um, and i know uh kamiya has always been like don't ask me quite stop bothering me about this game it'll be ready when it's ready and so i was like there's no shot that that game's still like ready so that's why i thought it was gonna be that
0: well it's interesting because like I feel like Platinum, like, I I guess we could just dive into Bayonetta. We'll talk about the rest of the direct, but we're already on Bayonetta. Let's just talk about Bayonetta. Um, I was gonna say, I think it's interesting because, like, Platinum has this own, they they kind of have this own, like, little self-contained universe they do. Like, not in terms of crossovers or characters, though, obviously, you know, the mascot from Astral Chain showed up. But I mean, like, if you're a fan of Platinum Games original IPs, it's easy to make the mistake you make because they're sort of these interchangeable ideas they keep toying with. And then it, they kind of just refine over time. Like, Astral Chain, you know, they took their usual combat you see in their other games and like mixed it up with the chain system and everything. So it's very combo based, very similar. But like here at Bayonetta 3, to your point, the kaiju, they're mentioning it for their big, um, you know, superhero game. We had it in Wonderful 101 where you control these huge, you know, you stack all your guys together and you control these huge things that fight other things. Like they never really give up on an idea. They just keep kind of reusing them in different ways. So like in Bayonetta 3, yeah, those kaiju are instead of climax summons. So in the second game, you know, you did those elaborate finishers and that was that. Here, these demon slaves, as they're called, are actually controllable. Like, I was reading this IGN article. Um, their director is basically saying, you know, like, it's it's a whole new battle mechanic on top of what's already there. But I was like, well, it's not really new because, like, you guys have done kaiju before. You're planning to do kaiju again. Like, it's it's Platinum is – they're well in they, – they have, like, a cycle of ideas they go through and then refine in different ways. And it's just – it's easy to mix them up as a result, but it's actually kind of cool to see them, like, keep whittling until it, like, clicks exactly how they want it to. But, I mean, are you guys are you guys interested in Bayonetta? you guys get Bayonetta, or was it kind of... Like, was it a good finale for you to end on Bayonetta like that?
2: I mean, it was cool. Like, I mean, I know it's a really high-anticipated game, but, I mean, personally, I liked the first one. Never got to finish the second one just because it just came into my collection at a bad time so i just couldn't dedicate as much time to it as i would have liked mm-hmm. like i don't even think i made it past the first third of the game and i don't want to buy it again on switch because i have it on wii u but i don't really see myself going back to it much because it's on wii u right so yeah and i'm not going to play part three if i haven't been in part two so so
1: that's that
0: yeah <laughs> what about you kevin it's kind of a nail in the coffin you're guy uh no i am
1: not 10 years from now unfortunately yeah, well, I feel like like I played that. two. I mean, and... I just haven't I just haven't played them. I remember our friend Matthew; he was really into the first one. I don't know if he ever played the second. one. I don't think he ever got a Wii U. Hmm. But uh, I think
0: yeah. I think for me, because yeah, I'm kind of the same, but like I'm like, oh, that's all right. Like, I like the second one's fun, but I'm not like chomping at the bit for this. But I I, I was just really happy for fans that waited so long. I mean. Oh yeah, you know, to absolutely. Get gameplay and public progress and a release window. Like they waited four years for that. Like it this is a good finale for that sole purpose. Like it just yeah, it was so and even at E three, like Nintendo put out statements that were like, oh no, 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 it's still coming. So like people were really doubting the game's existence. So it's nice that they were able to actually confirm it and kind of you know get that hurrah sort of ending to the direct. Um But yeah, I, I do think Yeah, I mean the new enemies
2: look interesting. I mean, we're obviously not dealing with angels anymore because we have had two games of that, and well, yeah. just from what could tell from trailers and little previews I could see, it seems like the Angel saga's dead and now we're fighting jelly monsters. Well, yeah, because
0: Angel, you just said you're not buying the third one. You only played the first two and you didn't finish the second, so of course there's no Angels anymore. I'm here all week. I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm, I'm going to do like a 20 minutes of silence for that. I, oh.
0: I'm... Uh, proud of how bad that was and I'm aware of how bad that was and I think I revel in how bad these jokes are and the problem is most people are just like that's bad and don't like I almost prefer the reaction you gave over a genuine laugh which is a problem I should see someone about probably but anyway um I didn't mean to cut you off though you're right it is like jelly it is different monsters and I think that fits with the kaiju theme and all but but talk about the direct overall unless you guys had any other thoughts on Bayonetta um I do one thing that kind of stood out to me that was interesting at the direct is what they actually focused on like in terms of game news excluding Mario Cast, there there's kind of just two buckets like stuff happening in October and stuff happening in 2022 like November sure there's a shout out to like a game or two like oh look it's well, what was the Disney one, like Magical World 2 or whatever, like, hey, that's coming in November but really, like, more so than a lot directs, the presentation felt like it was very much, here's some cool stuff within the next 30 days, and here's some cool stuff you'll see in a couple hundred days and there's just nothing in between, and I think part of that is because we already got info on what, you know, it was coming later this year, we we had po- Pokemon Presents, we had our surprise Big Brain reveal, we know Advance Wars is just Advance Wars, but online Um, but also, and Nintendo did not right say this in the presentation, but it also kind of felt like they were sort of lining up like a light Switch OLED model launch window, almost. To me, like, a lot of the presentation gave off the vibe of, if you're picking up a new Switch, check out everything you can do with it right when you get it. Like, you know, they had a new Metroid Dread trailer, a reminder that Mario Party Superstars is out at the end of the month, uh, noteworthy third-party games coming in the next 30 days, like Disco Elysium and Dying Light Platinum Edition. And, you know, even giving the port of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic a minute of spotlight when so much attention is turned to the remake that was announced like three weeks ago at PlayStation Showcase, you know, it felt like they are kind of like, hey, if you're buying a Switch, like, look what you can do now. You don't need to wait for Knights of the Old Republic. You have it right here if you get a Switch. And granted, now is six weeks from now, but you, you get my point. And, uh, again, it, it was subtle to me in the sense that Nintendo never outright said this is the launch window. In fact, they didn't even mention, let alone show the OLED model at any point in the presentation, which as I'm saying it now is actually really weird that they have new hardware coming out in two weeks and they didn't even like have it being used in any of the B-roll or anything. But we, you know, we do know pre-orders are sold out. Supply shortages are expected like with every electronics. So maybe not that weird, but basically what I'm getting at, if you're someone who maybe does have an OLED switch pre-ordered or plan to somehow find one, you know, seeing all this stuff happening in the very immediate weeks after your purchase like, that is what a launch window does. That's its purpose. That's, it's to get you excited and get you interested. And whether Nintendo says it or not, that's sort of what they crafted here. Like, usually they lead a few months' worth of news. This was very condensed. And it, it it's kind of it's kind of the same reason I suspect Bluetooth audio, out of nowhere, finally arrived on the Switch with a firmware update. And just, you know, just weeks before, the OLED model with its quote-unquote enhanced audio as one of its big features, you know, right before that comes available, suddenly Bluetooth comes available, like... Nintendo's not outright saying things because they have such a big Switch audience already, but it feels like the pieces are kind of being put into place to support that. And and it, like if you look at Nintendo's... If you narrow it down to Nintendo's just first-party news in the Direct, n- anything that wasn't dated 2022 is happening in the next like four to five weeks. And most of that, it turns out, is DLC for existing games. You know, They gave um, Hyrule Warriors its second expansion pass. They shadow Drop Mario Golf Super Rush's 3.0 update. Like, it feels like, again, they're kind of giving games profile boost right in time for anyone that's picking up a Switch OLED and entering the Switch ecosystem. Um, but, yeah, the the Mario Golf update, actually, that that's kind of – that was kind of interesting. Did you guys try that? It's it's uh, new CPU opponents, difficulties, uh, so there's three different difficulties, two new courses, Koopa Troopa and Ninja's playable characters. Anyone have a chance to try it? I, I have not negative
2: definitely not that was like way too quick of a turnaround between like it being available and just what i already have going on yeah but just as far as like the maps that were announced n- nothing as exciting as new Dark city it just felt very like oh generic yeah it felt areas. like a step
0: backwards right like, like did
2: we already have a desert area like i was even like, confused like wait are we double dipping they just like changed like the terrain but you know it's content is content which you know i'm fine it's still cool
0: it 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 but, It jumped out to me that Nintendo spent so little time on the Mario Golf update, which is fine. They had a lot to announce, but they spent so little time. They didn't even name the courses. Like, (laughs) they didn't tell you anything about courses. I I looked up – one is a snowy one with the blowy cloud guys from Mario that do – it's very wind-heavy. And the other is, uh, you know, this California sunset vibe that is full of pokies and spikes to avoid and those sorts of, like, Mario enemy obstacles, which – Sure, I guess, but to your point, Angel, like, you know, even if you look at the character, like Koopa Troopa, he doesn't get a fa- fancy golf outfit or anything. He's just a Koopa Troopa, and it's just the whole – the whole DLC just feels sort of bare minimum after what New Donk City promised as kind of like – well, they didn't promise, but alluded to maybe being the future of DLC, you know, where it like actually married golf mechanics with Mario-level design. These feel more like kind of the blander core game which I'm sure we'll all eventually try and maybe something to find in the courses that is cool but it definitely gave off that vibe of like hey don't forget about Mario Golf in the presentation more than like a cool thing everyone's going to actually want to try um, but but we'll see maybe the courses are secretly really good and, and to be fair some DLC was bigger or at least T's DLC will be bigger um, you know like I was saying a few minutes ago Nintendo did bring up the final Smash Bros. Fighter and the next Animal Crossing update both of which we'll learn more about in you guessed it October, the magic month. Um, kind of a weird trend, though, in yeah. the di- direct. Or what are you
2: going I don't know. And also just find it funny that uh, of all the days they could have picked to announce the new Smash Bros. character, they decided to announce it the day that Nickelodeon All Star brawl releases. So
0: shots fired. It's
2: almost like they, it's almost like they were like, rest oh, yeah, in peace, you know, Nickelodeon a... <laughs> SpongeBob. Yeah, R. Any <laughs> conversation people are gonna have about that full game is gonna now focus on like the last new character because that's obviously gonna be a really really big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, they
0: totally kind of
2: messed up. <laughs> it kind they, of is. They totally. Yeah, that's they... what.
0: Uh... That's yeah. what
1: Overwatch did back in 2016 to Battleborn. Battleborn, the full game was released, and nobody was talking about it because the Overwatch beta had started. A
0: beta, that, yeah. I, I feel like destroyed I, a yeah, full release. And, game. and
2: Battleborn is like a pretty different game, but because they're just like similar enough, you know, they're both hero shooters. Like yeah, like the conversation just went to the other, and yep. I can't and I can see this easily happening to this
0: one. And and even just but, Smash having its reveal. Like you guys talked about on your Ray KA episode last week, like what it would take to surprise you in terms of the type of character that would be in oh, yeah. Smash. Piano so boy we're not gonna rehash that conversation. April. But the so fact gay. What are you gonna say? What? <clears throat>
2: no, yeah, give me piano boy from your line in April.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh that's gonna happen. But no, what I was gonna say is what I think the real surprise was of this is we all expected you know, the reveal to be during the game awards in December, like kind of a big that you know, it's tradition oh, at yeah. point. Yeah, but they're yeah, doing it like sooner, a yeah. random October day. Like Granted, it's not totally random. Besides Nickelodeon All-Stars, it's also, again, kind of an unofficial launch window. It's three days before the OLED Switch launches. So they're kind of like ramping up the hype. But, um, yeah, having it this soon was kind of surprising. Like, it feels very ho-hum to just be like, oh, the final Smash character ever, the final Sakurai Presents ever is just going to be this random, like, Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., not part of, like, a bigger event where lesser characters or less significant characters have been revealed. So... But but it, it was also a weird trend in the direct where Nintendo multiple times used a presentation in which they make announcements to announce separate presentations where they will be making announcements because they did both Smash and Animal Crossing, and I'm kind of curious about what's in store for um, New Horizons, which technically its DLC is not arriving till November, so it kind of falls outside my little launch window theory. But the presentation is in October which is part of the launch window that isn't wave of activity, so it kind of counts. But in the direct, they already confirmed you know, what a lot of fans have wanted. Brewster is back. His museum cafe, The Roost, is there, which, yay, I guess. Angel, is is it a yay?
2: I know people really love that cafe, but it's honestly one of my least visited places. And Pigeon Milk honestly kind of sounded gross. So... <laughs> it's still...
0: It, it, current tense as well, not just past tense, it still sounds gross.
2: <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, the best thing I could say about the Roost is that I love that very chill piano theme of it. But
0: yeah, but even even yeah, like KK doesn't play anymore. I am there looking anymore. forward to. So, like, what's its purpose? Yes. Yeah.
2: It's just to talk to Brewster, I guess. I guess. Um, get life advice, and respect the stuff. And yeah, I mean, life is short, and you want to make the most of it with the time you got. It's true, but I don't know if you want to spend it all there. No,
0: <laughs> but that <laughs> that was good. But no, I was, I was gonna say that. Um, it it it's interesting because they announced that. You know, like, oh, Brewster and the Roost. They teased it. It's there. Everyone knows it's coming. And if you look at the history of New Horizons updates up to this point, that in and of itself would basically be the update. Like maybe throw in a couple new items, do some weird thing where you, like, craft coffee beans to make new items or something, and you're done. That's your update. But they're saying they still have a full separate presentation worth of updates. So there's got to be more, right? Like, I'm, like this is big, it seems. I mean, are we
2: still missing any features? No. no I Well,
0: kind of. Um I think a few characters haven't come back. I mean, I'm
2: yet. still looking forward to it. Like, I, I miss playing more Animal Crossing, so I am looking forward to just, like, being given more of a reason to revisit it. Yeah. But, um...
0: Yeah, I, I'm hoping yeah, they do it's... something new. Like, I think on some level, this is the first, like... This really is like the first Animal Crossing update that probably was planned and produced after the runaway success of the game. Like, given the release cadence and similarities of the updates up to this point, and they're kind of smaller scale, it felt to me the whole time like Nintendo's just riding out their original roadmap as long as they could. Because, like, I mean, it's still selling, so let's just keep doing it. And, you know, for a lot of early adopters, that wasn't enough to stay engaged the whole time, I'm sure. I mean, I know it certainly wasn't for me. I don't think it was for you, Angel. Like, we both kind of fell off the bandwagon but um, that sounds like we have an a addiction problem we we stopped playing Animal Crossing is what I'm saying but um, but like to this day since launch like Animal Crossing still has tallied the most units sold of any Switch game in the US like we don't really talk about it as much but you know even in the MPD charts for August came out a week or so ago um, there it was Animal Crossing New Horizons number 14 in the overall top 20 games 18 months after it first released with barely any updates to the game like that's incredible staying power and it kind of explains why Nintendo did take its sweet time with more serious updates. So what I'm, what I'm hoping, I guess, is that for us, this update may have enough newness to overcome the hurdle of having to get back in the anxiety of needing to return to the long-abandoned island and face your villagers' wrath and you know all that stuff. And and then there's just enough there that makes it worth actually booting up the game again like i am really just intrigued about what nintendo can do at this point with animal crossing to warrant a full presentation and the only thing that doesn't exist in the game that exists in other ones that comes to mind is the minigame island and maybe bringing that online or doing some sort of like way to kind of have people recongregate in the game because it's such a social experience i don't think they could just be like the roost is here and everyone's like oh i got to get back into that but like if they do you know you have animal crossing your friends have animal crossing you can do these things together online that you couldn't before. Maybe that's enough. But I don't even know if that's enough to warrant a full presentation. So we'll we'll see. Sometime in October, I guess. Um,
2: yeah, guess we will.
0: Yeah. A side note: if you do want more August MPD chart data, we'll of course have a link to it on the blog post for this episode. Um, it wasn't a very monumental month for Switch in terms of major releases. You know, No More Heroes three did not lie up the chart to the shock of probably no one but the Switch's hardware was number one in units for like 36 months straight, and a month for hardware as a whole is up like 45%, so, so that's fun if you like numbers, and you can go read all the numbers there. But DLC, there's a lot still in the Direct, so let's, let's just keep cruising with DLC. Um, most of it was Nintendo, most of it was in October, but I feel like given who I podcast with, I'd be remiss not to mention that Monster Hunter Rise has that huge Sunbreak expansion coming next summer. It kicked off the show, and we know very little about it. It'll be large, it'll have new story elements, it'll have new locations, it'll have new monsters, it'll have new hunting actions, it'll have new quest ranks. You guys excited?
2: Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like we knew this was coming. Um not Sunbreaker particularly, but like they've said that we were gonna get like a big expansion. Like, at some point, like, after, you know, probably his sales were dying down. But it's no different than, um I guess, Iceborne, which I know was, like, a big deal and it added a lot to Monster Hunter World. So this is, like, you know, the the equivalent. It, well... it looks cool. Like, the monster, the, they showed off. I mean, he just looks like a demonic evil monster. And, of course, they always have to show a trailer where... It's beating up on the Rathalos because that's like their Pikachu. So it's like, oh, look at this monster. He's he's meaner, badder, <laughs> and meaner than Rathalos. But yeah, I mean, I recently got back into Monster Hunter even more. Like I've been playing it more consistently with some coworkers and it's been really cool. So we're just leveling up, trying to get ready for that DLC as well as, you know, just getting the the other DLC that's been dropped. Recently, the Capcom stuff, like the being able to play as Rush with your with your Palamute, is really awesome. Like when you start running with it, it actually turns into like jet powered and just flies. We managed to hunt and get the Amaterasu costume for the dog, which is also awesome because when you're running, it leaves a flower trail. And you know, there's a Akuma. I don't know. Like they've they've been adding some really neat stuff, so I'm curious to see what other Capcom collaborations, as they call them, are going to happen. But I am hoping they don't just stick to Capcom. I hope they do branch out. Like, I, I don't know. I'd like to see some kind of Mario throw in again, because they did have some neat stuff last time. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, looking forward to it. You, you but, were saying it was, yeah, like, kind was of no.
0: expected, which, yeah, I know, I know World did Iceborne, but this is the first, like, more traditional Monster Hunter that's not doing, like, an expanded re-release, right? Like, there's no ultimate. There's no... They're just building on top of the base game, right? Like, for the first... Time? yeah yeah
2: i mean w- i mean you could say world set a new trend
0: yeah yeah many new trends like for the series in fact
2: kind of yeah but <laughs> like a lot of those trends like were not done in rise because rise kind of went back to a more traditional monster hunter where world was as the name implies like way more in depth on the world right like you actually hunt the monsters like you actually have to like track their they're saying use the glow flies follow their footprints gather info like you use the environment for more traversally stuff and monster hunter rise they, they literally just put it on the map they're like there it is just just go get it all oh, right right like it's um it's much much more simplified like it just gets to the hunt which you know i feel it makes it a much more approachable game and it's definitely very true because a lot of the people i'm playing with now i like this was like their like the first traditional monster hunter, some barely played world, and some haven't played monster hunter at all, and they're able to get into it pretty quick pretty quickly, so yeah, I think this approach worked mm-hmm. and now they're just you know probably taking what they've learned from world and instead of doing a rise ultimate then yeah and and not do, just you know, world to rise, be fair, also right
0: fellow monster game Pokemon. Because Pokemon always did the third version, the second, you know, the updated version as well, and then it switched to DLC yeah. with Sword and Shield. So, yeah. But it, the, the other interesting thing with Monster Hunter um, is actually an observation that, and not really Monster Hunter per se, but just its existence in this direct, was an observation I saw Steven Totillo of Axios say on Twitter right after the direct, which is that this news of Monster Hunter's DLC was part of kind of this this wave of very Japan heavy third party support, specifically in this direct. I mean, surely it's because this direct is taking place the week before Tokyo Game Show. But it was interesting to see on Nintendo name check so many games that will likely pop up at TGS and again, sort of, you know, pad the OLED Switch's launch window. Because, you know, they called out Shimigami Tensei 5. That's at like six weeks, five weeks after the Switch OLED. And there's no new information. They literally had nothing new about it. There's like, hey, remember this game? They did the same thing at Room Factory 5, where there's like, it's coming in March. We think you already knew that, but here's five seconds of footage. You know, they gave Konami the chance to shadow drop uh, Castlevania Advance Collection. Like, there's a lot of, in the third-party space on this Direct, like, there's a lot of Japanese publishers, but perhaps the biggest of the bunch um, were Square Enix, who had not one, not two, but four games in the Direct. It really, like, at some moments, felt almost like it was a Square Enix presentation, especially in the front half of the Direct, because they just kept going through games. Like, we learned... You know, Project Triangle Strategy is now called Triangle Strategy. One day they'll surprise us and maybe actually change the name of a project game. Uh, we learned that there's a game called Chocopo GP, which looks kind of like Mario Kart, but with the power-up system that's kind of I, like Kong Racing.
2: Yeah, I'm actually pretty interested in that game, specifically because of your latter comment. Like when they were showing off, like, oh, you could pick up multiple... Like, items are designated colors, and if you pick up multiple colors, I mean, multiple items of the same color, you, like, stack up that power. And I'm like, oh, that's, an, I love that they're bringing that back.
0: Yeah. It's a nice, and way to do items.
2: And it just looks fun. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have the years of polish that Mario Kart has, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it looks good.
0: And, 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 I mean. Apparently,
2: it was a PS1 game.
0: So, I don't. I wouldn't know. Originally, I remember when the DS, 3DS was first announced, um Square Enix did announce a Chocobo racing game that never materialized. And I do wonder how much of this is that. Because, yeah, they have done one before way back in the day. And then they were going to do a 3D one, and then that kind of helps the wayside. So are they picking up the pieces? Is this more of a throwback to the earlier one? Like, it, it's just one of those weird things where it's just like probably been in development hell forever. So it's kind of interesting that it surfaced now um, and comes out, I think, next year. Uh, but that was only half of what Square Enix announced because they also... I mean, I've never played the Super Nintendo original, but a lot of people seem excited that Actraiser Renaissance was announced and it's, and Shadow Drop, same day. It's basically a remake of that game from the 90s. Um, but I think people the one. People love that, Actraiser being Yeah, what is it? Belief. Do you, do you know why? I don't understand why. Like, I what is don't it about know ActRaiser?
1: why. I, I have no idea, but people love, I think it was one of the very first
0: Kojima games. I think Kojima might have worked on it. Oh, but people that makes love sense. Actraiser. I mean, it does look like they did a good job updating it, where it still has the spirit of the Super Nintendo game, just a little crisper and cleaner. There was a there and was and
1: a and was a, uh, a razor like game that came out a couple of years ago. I think it was called Soul, Soul Seraph. Soul I'm not sure the pronunciation, but like mm-hmm. I remember that game getting announced, and people were like, "Oh my god, we're finally getting another ActRaiser esque game," and it came out, and it just completely fell flat. Even people that loved ActRaiser <laughs> didn't really care for it.
0: So I'm curious to see the reaction to this yeah, the fact that they shadowed like they just announced and released it at once like for a game that does because yeah i know it does have a following like the i didn't know it's to that extent but like that's you know can you imagine if we're just like hanging out and watching it direct and tells like oh yeah mother 3 is available now like the Nintendo fans would lose their minds like i, I have to imagine to some degree it's kind of like that so so cool, cool for those fans um and, yeah, I'd be curious to see the reviews and stuff once, you know, in the fan reception. But there's one game that I think kind of went in a different direction from all Square Enix games that's worth spending a moment on. And that's because has a demo and we have impressions. But it's um Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars. And this is a game that doesn't necessarily have the highest production values or, or the biggest IP or anything. But it stood out, at least to me, because it's very... And
2: it almost looks like it was... Made with the challenge of being as cost effective. As yeah, possible.
0: seriously. Like they have really nice hand drawn art, but everything else is so bare bones. They have one voice actor, but everything else is so bare bones. But yeah, it's it's different in how like because maybe the budget constraints, or maybe as a result of the concept, they were able to do budget constraints. But it's different in how it approaches an RPG. Like it's 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 all card based. Like everything is card based, but from some very big names, the people behind it. Are Yokotaro and, uh, what's the other guy's name? I can't find it. I had it in my notes. Uh, the other dude. The two dudes that did near, uh, autom- Automata, uh, together are now making this. So, a lot of people suddenly got interested in it because, yeah, you know, Yokotaro was involved. Um, and the game itself is now until the 28th of October, which, yes, another October release. Um, but there is, like I said, a demo. Uh, I checked out, Angel, you checked it out. Kevin, did you try it? No, I didn't get a chance to try it. it.
1: It does look interesting. And the fact that this is uh Taro's new game does have me interested because I've always liked, i not that I've finished them or even played one of them, but the newer games have always interested me. And so mm-hmm. this being a complete departure from that one, I would assume that the success of Automata would have had Taro working on the third year, so
0: it's yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely like it definitely feels like a side project, which is it's kind of cool that you know that the, he has the flexibility to do that. Uh, Angel, would you? Because you and I played the demo, but what did you think of the demo?
2: Um, it was neat. I that's how would sum it up really... too. Really, <laughs> because like this is a this is the kind of concept that I would play video games to not play. Because, you know, like, it's a card game, so right off the bat, like, oh, typically, you know, on average, I want to play video games to do something that can only be done in video games. And yes, like, you can argue there's some things here that you would only really be able to do digitally. But for the most part, you know, it's just cards. And the fact that it just exists piqued my interest. And the way it's handled, like... I, it's just so weird and different that it's mm-hmm. just intriguing. Like the fact that it's all one person just telling a story. Um, I do like the voice actor. I mean, that has to have been a grueling audition session because they're voicing and narrating everything. They really had to make sure they got that right. Cause that's like the only voice you're listening to. Yeah. But like, I like how like everything from the environment to the shop, like everything is cards. Like you walk around cards, you, See terrain cards that represent, you know, grass, water, um, the environment changes with the cards. Mm -hmm. Like, it's cool that it's a concept that, you know, you would think could work as like a giant tabletop, which can work, but, you know, I, the setup would be a nightmare. No one would bother doing it. So, in a way, it does kind of
0: massive, like the size of a football field. Yeah.
2: Like, it can, yeah, it definitely can be replicated in real life, but because of you know all those issues and no one's going to be like all right terrain mode all right battle mode oh let me get those cards let me set them up all right we're done with the shop oh you want to go back into the shop
0: ah damn it all right let me (laughs) let me lay the cards out again like 10 minutes yeah
2: (laughs) yeah like it almost does kind of fulfill that requirement i said earlier where like something that can only be done in a video game Mm -hmm. i just never thought i would want to see this something simple that you normally wouldn't think you wouldn't want a video game but can only really be done in a video game this well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoyed it. It's simple. It definitely seems like a chill game. It seems like the perfect game to play, like, right before bed, like yeah. I do with Ace Attorney's, especially with that voice and everything. has... Like, yeah, it's going to put me to sleep.
0: Yeah, I mean... Not the... because it's boring, but it's just relaxing. It's chill. It has chill. a very... um like, it, it, it's sort of like, he's kind of like a dungeon master talking you through a game, maybe sort of a campfire story narrator, or maybe, it, it almost feels like an audiobook, actually, in a way, like, because they narrate everything. I mean, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, the way everything is told by this one guy, even lines of dialogue with descriptors of how each character is saying it, and what, you know, you know, like, are they saying it with, like, tension or not, and what they're doing as they say it, like, it definitely feels like he's just reading you a story. And it's such a unique style. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, because the gameplay from the demo is a pretty straightforward RPG. Like, it's not... Like, there's some card stuff. Like, the battle system has some deeper card mechanics, I guess, that um, you can dabble in. But, like, this isn't a card game as much as it's an RPG that just is played out through cards, if that makes sense. Um, but, like, just the presentation of it all. Like, the the way he tells... So, even, even if you, like... So, because it's cards, you can... Collect them all, right? So every time you talk to an NPC or something, you get a card about that person, and then you can go and read their little backstories. And like every card has like a backside with information and backstory and stuff. And it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like scanning in Metroid Prime. Like you can easily ignore the bulk of the story by just going through the main cutscenes, but if you want that extra world building, it's there for you to consume. And this feels very similar in that regard. But yeah, it's definitely, like you're saying, Angel, I agree, it's a very chill, kind of just neat, different experience. Like, I don't know if I'd actually even get it, because it's such a, like, standard RPG that it's... I don't know if that's my speed, necessarily, but it is very well done in its weird presentation. <laughs> and I, I also think it's great, like, just to kind of applaud Square Enix for, you know, letting a game like this even exist. I mean, you know, we were saying a few minutes ago how, like, he'd theoretically be working on near 3, but clearly... Clirius is a low-budget affair. Um, Someone had to draw the cards. Someone had to do the voice acting. So there's some money going into it. But, like, you're a generic chess piece. You're looking, uh, you know, you just kind of move around. You stand on top of cards. The cards are the same cards that are in battle and the same cards that are in menu. So it's all this one asset. Sound design, it's, it's, you know, past the one guy. It's very simple background music. But the fact that Square is letting big-name developers like Yoko like flex a creative muscle a bit and try different things just kind of have fun with story elements because some of the dialogue is actually pretty clever like it it's a cool little like side hustle in, in a way it kind of reminds me of the early 3ds era of the eShop where nintendo and its second parties just did a bunch of quirky little side projects you know like pushmo and crashmo are by intelligence systems they normally do paper mario and firemo but they were doing these weird puzzle games or like harmonite game freaks normally doing pokemon but here's a weird little rhythm game or box boy like kirby is hal's main focus but what if they made a little square character in a puzzle game instead of a little round character that platforms? like they'll do that like voice of Cards just kind of feels like that vibe that sort of like little thing that would never really exist otherwise just for the near creators instead of for nintendo so so it's, it's cool that it exists is really what i'm trying to say <laughs> um uh, anything else about about uh, voice of cards, Angel, or should we get to our last October um, update?
2: I may get it, but you know, it just kind of comes down to available time. Like i I can't see myself getting it and playing through it eventually. Like I will, yeah. I don't know what I don't know if it's gonna be this year, next year, whenever, but it is on my radar because it, it does sound like a game I would enjoy. I just for yeah. the narrative, and, uh, like you said, the gameplay is very so far by the books rpg but the presentation does a lot of work to make it mm-hmm. still feel fresh even if you are doing the most basic rpg stuff
0: in a way that i feel like the fact that it is a basic rpg actually helps with what it's trying to achieve because you're really focusing on the kind of narrative it tells and you're kind of, it's almost like a visual novel except instead of just having to like go through like a couple menus and turning pages you're like playing a little rpg in between like it it, it it works. It actually works very really well. But yeah, I think when you do get to your point about time, it's a $30 game, so judging on the production values, I'm guessing it's long for $30. So definitely carve out some time. Um, But yeah, I guess the last October update, before we move on to our final segment covering Nintendo's 2022 games that we haven't talked about yet, uh, the last October update is a biggie. Nintendo Switch Online is getting an upgrade, uh, namely with an expansion that's Actually, literally, it's named the expansion pack that uh, for additional fee will give you access to libraries of Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games starting sometime in the later part of October. Which is pretty do cool. Do we know what
2: this additional fee is? We
0: do not. <laughs> but in concept, it's kind of nice to have... Kind of nice to have these systems available to us now, right? Online support. I mean, I... Per- personally, I'm excited okay, so about...
2: The convenience yeah, the convenience. Is amazing because I... Will always like playing these games. Like usually I usually have to bust out the Wii U to play these, but if they're on the Switch, that's awesome because Mario Kart is one of those games that mm-hmm. I do like to bring out. Mario but... Kart
1: 64? Yeah, they're online. No what? shot, Jesus Christ.
0: Star Fox 64 that is game's multiplayer.
1: Bad. On... Wait, what? Mario Kart 64? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, man. I've never
2: oh, yeah, liked Mario like Kart it, 64. Oh,
0: man. It, it, this is, this is I, happening.
2: I, mean, I loved it when <laughs> it came out, and... It's really hard to get into now just because it feels so slippery. But I do still like enjoy playing it from time to time just because it just feels so different from normal Mario Kart. Yeah. It just feels like a completely different sure. game. Plus, it's a game that um, my brother in law Fabian is really good at. Like, no joke, he's like probably the best Mario Kart 64 player I've ever played. That just even getting close to beating him doesn't happen often, especially because like he's just like a master at taking those shortcuts. At least the last time I played him. That that always like drives me huh, to make me want to, I don't know. Hopefully, get a victory on one day, and it will happen. And that's when I'll retire from it. So I'm kind of glad that there's just like a convenient way to play. it. And you guys can play. I hope it... we get like a Mario Party or Smash Brothers. You guys... Specifically Smash Brothers, because that's the other one that we do try to play often, but not the easiest to set up.
0: I'll just say you can play it remotely too, like you and Fabian, because online. Like that. Oh yeah, that's a, yeah. That's the thing that's crazy yeah. to me is like I can't like my childhood self. Is wrapping his head right. around the fact that like I can play Mario Golf F-Zero X you know, Mario Kart 64 Star Wars. I can my Mario friend from when I was a kid yeah Mario Tennis is there when I was a kid I used to go to my friend's yeah. house and we played all these can games
2: together played with Nigel and Alonso yeah like my, my
0: friend lives in New York now my childhood friend so like I can actually like go back to these games I haven't played yeah, with yeah, him since, like, believe it or not I had a couple yeah but like this guy that I used to play games with all the time when I was like 10 I can now just like hit up and be like you want to play Mario Kart 64 again and it's possible like it's really cool in that regard. And it's a pretty solid lineup of games. Um, the list is available online. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's like 30 games between the N64 and Genesis, but it's pretty solid. Um, the The whole announcement, though, is actually kind of funny to me because it, it did answer the long-standing question of where does Switch Online go next. Like, clearly with the output of weird stuff like the NES and the Super Nintendo games that were coming of late, which, by the way, they do plan to keep doing, but the output was waning so it felt like there had to be something bigger on the horizon and we finally got the answer. Yet by answering that question in the direct with this reveal, they opened up so many more questions. I mean, you already mentioned price, but the most pressing for me and being somewhat facetious, but that $50 N64 controller, the wireless one, does it include rumble? There's no rumble pack on it. So either they're. Well, Changing then, the there you go. Well, There's no, 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 Rumble no. Pack on it. But I did think it? it would have Rumble. Because one the of use. the games coming to the service on day one is Star Fox 64, which was literally the showcase game for the Rumble pack. It, the selling point oh, of Star no, Fox 64. Whatever was will we do with no Rumble, Rumble, and, Rumble and Star Fox 64? Rumble. You guys
2: don't I understand. I mean, who's Rumble? even going to be playing Star Fox 64? Me. Like,
0: Without Rumble, apparently. Uh, there like, might be Rumble in it. There's just no physical. Nintendo
2: game. Like
0: you know what actually kind of cool is if they left the port on the bottom of the N64 controller, you can actually plug in an N64 Rumble pack. Because I have them right under my TV, along with Star Fox itself. So I guess I can just play it there. Well, then problem solved. <laughs> but no, more seriously, the the one big question for me isn't the Rumble thing. I, like I said, it's a little facetious. But the, the real one ah, bless. is what's in store for this game selection. Because on the one hand, like the day one N64 lineup uh, gave us a you know good indication that Nintendo's still looking beyond just the heaviest of hitters. I mean the fact that win Back of all things is in there, as well as Sin and Punishment – You know, that leads me to believe we're going to get some weird little slices of game history like we did on the NES and Super Nintendo libraries, and that's cool. You know, maybe it's a chance for some overlooked games like Tetrasphere to finally get some love now with online or, I don't know, maybe someone out there really wants Buck Bumble or Glover again or Tonic Trouble. And Tonic Trouble would be a really interesting one because those developers went on to be Insomniac. So, you know, a little piece of gaming history. That'd be cool to see. But there's also this huge question mark hanging over one game in particular, which is Banjo-Kazooie. We have Banjo Kazooie on a Nintendo Online service. That is pretty awesome, and you know, especially given it's a Microsoft property and all that. That
2: means we get Banjo Tooie because right now I'm literally the only reason we have uh, my brother-in-law's Xbox One
0: is for Kazooie and Tooie. Pretty
2: really big, yeah. It's for Kazooie and Tooie, and yeah, um, just to have it on something super tiny. Yeah, that's literally the only reason we have it. Would be
0: nice, and but I do. Although think...
2: I did pay ten bucks for each, but yeah, I would I would I would start over, right? If to play on the Switch, I... I feel like more likely that I'm going to play it on the Switch. And it just feels. Let's
0: be real; it just feels at home on a Nintendo system. But I, I do think Banjo that too, though
2: I hate going through the menus with the controller. It's like B is A and A is B. Like, what is this?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know you'll have your buttons back in the right order, which I know, Kevin. You hate the button order on Nintendo consoles. As Arceus intended, yes. But, but yeah, no, the thing with Banjo is, to me, it symbolizes, like, this huge component of the original N64 lineup, which is Rare. Like, so as, you know, as the Switch library rolls on... Wait, it's Rare that it's happening, or... No, I'm saying, I mean Rare, rare. the company. Rare Ltd. (laughs) Yes, thank you. This is, like, the impression thing all over again. But, yeah, uh, the uh, Rare Ltd, the developer Rareware, is a huge part of the N64 lineup, right? So, like, as Switch library... Uh, the Switch Online library built out for N64, like, is Banjo a one-off? Does this open the door for other Rare games returning? Like, I mean, some seem more likely, like, Diddy Kong Racing that's co-owned. Nintendo did a DS version they could probably get that on there but, like, if yeah, you're... I mean, we
2: got Banjo that's like the only sticking point, right? But I mean, yeah,
0: way. I mean, if we already have Banjo yeah, so, um, but I'm thinking more like, if you're someone that's a lapsed gamer that bought a Switch and was an N64 fan, like, oh, GoldenEye I'm at
2: the prospect of Diddy Kong Racing there
0: yeah, it did kind of be cool. But like what about
2: Goldeneye? Goldeneye, I'm sure people are gonna be like, oh yes, I won, and then they're gonna play like, oh, this did not age. Well, well I'm at sure, all. but
0: the point is like that's still a selling point for okay. Nintendo, right? Or, or even the more niche stuff, like Jet Force Gemini or something. Like it just feels like the N64's identity is so intertwined with rare and the fact that this opportunity now exists for something to develop that makes me wonder to what extent it will. And and it's a very similar question about the Genesis lineup too. Because obviously there's no rare equivalent there. But what's interesting is the titles in the day one lineup aren't just Sega first party. There's Castlevania Bloodlines. There's Contra Hard Corps. Those are in the uh, day one lineup. And right now, if you want like a good collection of Genesis games, you can go to Amazon. You go to Best Buy. go to the eShop. And you can buy the Genesis Classics compilation for Switch for 30 bucks. Actually, it might even be 15 right now because I think it's part of the Blockbuster sale that they have on the eShop. But anyway, you can buy this collection of 50-plus Genesis games but they're all first party. And even if you look back at like the Wii's virtual console, the vast majority of Genesis games were first party. There's a smattering of others, but we're talking like minuscule numbers. So again, you know, what does Castlevania and Contra being in the Genesis lineup at the start mean going forward for Genesis? Like, are we actually going to see re-releases of games that previously were never re-released? Because that would be really cool too, in the same way that kind of getting all these rare games back could be. So... All these kind of like what ifs lead to your question you asked right at the top, Angel, which is there's no price yet because the question is what will be the cost? Like Nintendo was weirdly vague about how much you have to pay to access these libraries. All they're saying is is that it's an additional fee, which essentially means you now have a subscription service inside another subscription service but we have no idea what the value is and we have no idea what that value gets you necessarily like what would you is there a number you'd even be comfortable paying just knowing the day one lineup and knowing you know what we're getting five bucks a month ten bucks a I mean, month on top of the bucks 20? twenty.
2: bucks is normal five to ten is what I'm comfortable with comfortable paying I think I'm without around without complaining too much uh, I mean five I wouldn't complain five I think is would be great um, 10 is like, uh, okay, well, you better make sure you add a lot of N64 games.
1: And you better make sure but. that the money that's going in from these 10 bucks goes to your servers. <laughs> it absolutely oh,
0: yes. will not. It'll yeah, yeah. go straight to their bank account.
1: My God. Can you imagine Mario Kart 64 online netcode? Jesus Christ.
0: Honestly, the online for Switch Online's like retro games hasn't been bad at all. It's been pretty smooth the times I've yeah. done it.
2: Yeah, it's been really good, so hopefully it's the same for... NXT as and shocking games. as that but is,
0: Kevin. I mean, sh- four-player, <laughs> we'll have to see. But I I, I think, like, the the fine thing... I mean, Kevin, what would you pay? Would you even pay? You, are you even good to this? No more than $5. $5.01? Bu- $5. $5 yeah.
1: Nope, that's too much. <laughs> that's already a penny over. I, I'm
2: also doing, like, the family plan split thing with, like, a bajillion people, so... Yeah, and I have I no idea how that's going like, to like, work. Is that family... Five bucks or less right now. I'm pretty sure it's just gonna like give me the option to upgrade family. So like it would pretty much raise the price for everybody. Yeah. So maybe it'll make my payments go from like five to seven bucks. So, you know, I can't really complain either way. Right.
0: I mean for for me, I don't think it's gonna surprise you guys. I have no shame saying that I'm a sucker I'm the sucker who's going to subscribe. I'm yeah, going, yeah, to subscribe going to subscribe to pay day 50 one, bucks a remember. month. Exactly, exactly. it's going to be yeah. more expensive than PlayStation Plus. But I, I, getting... I will still do it because I'm that guy, and I'll play it like five times. But I'll still keep paying monthly. But I, I do think, and the reason I was asking this question about what, what in store for Rare and for the Genesis is, I do think the value assessment for a decent chunk of people is going to be is going to be really dependent on how the lineup actually shapes up in regards to those questions I was posing about. What is in store for the N64 and Genesis lines? Because you know, being able to play online is great, but it's only with friends. So unless you're a LAPS fan who jumped back in with this, you know, with Switch or of which there are plenty, don't get me wrong. But unless you're an active person or maybe you and a buddy want to like make your way through, I don't know, Gunstar Heroes together, like I, I feel like the real value is coming from access to games you wouldn't otherwise have easy access to. You know, not the 15th re-release of Ocarina of Time, but like the time they brought Tonic Trouble back or something like that. So I'm very curious to see like where it goes and how it grows into its eventual value since, again, it's an add-on. You are literally paying for just these additional libraries. It's not like the original Switch Online where it's like they can throw over games they want. It's part of being able to play online. This is a separate purchase specifically for the games. And I'm kind of curious on that note how Nintendo is actually going to handle future console editions because, I mean, the N64 add-in was rumored and suspected for a while. But it was um, only a few weeks ago that Eurogamer and a couple other publications were reporting that Game Boy and Game Boy Color are also on the cusp of coming to Switch Online. And, you know, we didn't talk about the rumor at the time because it really was there to say, oh, Game Boy may show up. But now, if you look at how Nintendo's branding the N64 and Genesis editions as an expansion pack, I'm at least wondering, are they going to charge a separate fee for a separate set of consoles again in the future? Because, like, frankly, what stuck out to me the most... In the announcement, besides being like, oh my gosh, it's so cool, is the full name of the expanded service is Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. If they just did Plus, like every streaming service on the planet, you know, Nintendo Switch Online Plus, they can have whatever they want whenever. It's a catch-all. It sounds like it's just an enhanced version. But Plus Expansion Pack, like Expansion Pack is specific. It opens the door for Expansion Pack 2, Expansion Pack 3. It's very, like, DLC-style branding. It doesn't to me imply an endless library It suggests there are specific parameters and they're going to stick to them and in expansion pack 1 that parameter happens to be N64 and Genesis games could Game Boy be added? sure, could Nintendo just as easily make Game Boy a separate fee and maybe include Neo Geo or something? like equally sure, like they gave themselves a way, they gave themselves an out to again charge more in the future just by putting a few words after plus and I don't I don't know what that means. Like, it's it's weird. They might actually start, like... It, it's like they're almost slipping back into the virtual console in a way. So, we'll see. It's exciting to have it in the first place. It's just, there, there's a lot of questions that came out of this. More than answers, I feel like, in a way. So, I mean, I, am I... Do you think... I, I, I'm not crazy, right? Like, expansion pack implies there's probably multiple packs.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, I hope that's not what it means, but... Oof. Yeah, I hope they'd... this is just like – I mean do we even know like if it's getting added to the expansion pack or is it just being added in general?
0: What do you mean Game Boy? Uh, well, the, the rumor predated the expansion pack announcement. So originally the rumor was they're going to add Game Boy to the library of Switch Online. And then there's a separate rumor the week after that saying they're going to add N64. And then N64 came true first but it's an expansion pack which makes you wonder, you know, or makes me wonder where where's Game Boy in all this? Because it's only a matter of time. I mean, there's no way they're not going to eventually put Game Boy. It's a yeah, handheld yeah. as much as it's a console to switch. But, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see unfold. And it might depend on how well the expansion pack does. Maybe they'll just cram it in if it didn't sell well enough or if it takes off like crazy, maybe they'll try and milk it. But, it's, Nintendo gave itself wiggle room that I haven't seen any other like, you know, all you can eat buffet style service do. So it's going to be, going to be interesting. Um, but now that we're looking more towards the future there are two final games to talk about to wrap up this episode from the Nintendo Direct they're both coming in 2022 they're both first party Splatoon 3 and Kirby and the Forgotten Land um, kind of you know the the closer yep. was along with Bayonetta was Splatoon, Kirby was kind of stuck in the middle where do you guys want to start, which, which game is of more interest I, to you I think
2: there's less to say I mean both of them I t- I'm definitely more interested in Splatoon, but I mean, I'm also very interested in Kirby. Mm-hmm. But Splatoon, obviously, it's like the game that we were actively playing for a while yeah. until we started getting more into Rocket League and now Knockout City, which honestly just keeps getting more and more fun.
0: Oh, update! And Knockout really, City update and, for our... looking
2: forward to the to the to the hacking season that's
0: coming up. So I'm curious what they're going to do with that. Also, update for Rock- Knockout City involving us. Every time we talk about the game on the podcast, we add another person. Kevin now plays with us <laughs> so, hey, yo. oh yeah. so there we go so that yeah we should talk right yeah we yeah, should talk with, about the and with Kevin season. we actually yeah, have
2: yeah. and we actually have even numbers with Kevin now so now Elvis doesn't have to be on a team with less people and now that it feels like we've been getting getting better and better that it makes it a little harder for Elvis to steamroll if he's a
0: team with less people yeah because he dominates but, that game yeah but but pre but, anyway. knockout Splatoon but, was our but, time. yeah, yeah. You're right.
2: Yeah, it was. And, and and it's still really fun. I mean, I look forward to playing it again more, but I'm definitely ready for Splatoon 3. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Like, I don't want it right now, and I'm glad it's coming out next sometime next year. But, yeah, I mean, like, the trailer just teased a lot of things that really shake up the core gameplay. I mean, the fact that you're now spawning, not really sure how that's going to work. If, it's, if you're going to be able to spawn anywhere where you have friendly ink or just anywhere where there's a teammate. But essentially... You no longer can get spawn camped, which was kind of a thing. You did it to me all between. the time,
0: actually. When we go, and bed. it's fun. I'm actually kind of the worst. That. It's not fun for me.
2: But then, but then you have like these new abilities that they showed off that just increase the traversal options. Like you have like a grappling, inkling suit thing, then you have like a mm-hmm. robo crab thing. And some of the new weapons also look really interesting. Like it looks like they got really creative with it. And story, you know, just looks as wacky and weird, but still. Presumably going to be in these Mario Galaxy style levels, which I know a lot of people either love it or hate it. Like I know they just want a normal, quote unquote, single player mm-hmm. style world, but I'm okay with these bite-sized levels. I um, yeah, I I, 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 I can, see them more as like training with a story sprinkled on top.
0: But yeah, I, I do think to to kind of pick apart what you're saying on the multiplayer side. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, did you mention the crab robot thing? I think you did. Um, I did, I said, but yeah, yeah, I'm really curious. So apparently for multiplayer, they didn't say it's in direct, but it came out after, uh, they're bringing back some old maps as well as new maps. So I'm kind of curious how stuff like that crab or like the grapple will change. Cause we've played those maps so many times over the years. Like, I'm really curious how that kind of changes the dynamic of maps we are so familiar with. And it is kind of, you know, it's, it's a very like call of duty thing where they're like reusing maps and whatnot, but it, I'm very curious to see how that actually like affects gameplay, like is it going to feel different than Splatoon 2 in notable ways, it looks like it will even on familiar maps, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that goes, but single player yeah, single player is interesting, um, I feel like to your point about the wackiness, I feel like it's trippier now, Like, they, so I guess it's set Nintendo put out this uh, Squid Lab report on their website, and I was kind of reading through it um, it's basically a blog post and we'll link to it in our blog post um, on RamTel.com for anyone who hasn't seen it, but um, I guess it's now set in a new world called uh, Alterna and that world actually, like, they're doing some cool stuff with the design. Like, it's really, there's a, there's one screenshot they have where it's kind of like Spider-Verse with the upside down cityscape, like from the Spider-Verse, like, you know, that, that very iconic Spider-Verse shot. So they're doing like all sorts of interesting, different stuff. And I'm really curious to just how like trippy it gets. Cause that, that was something that was kind of cool with Splatoon 2 is they, it just kept escalating in strangeness. And it's also kind of interesting. I thought that in single player, they're introducing fur. Basically, it's like the whole premise is there's this weird fuzzy stuff covering the ground that needs to be get rid of. Uh, it's it's kind of Isle delfino esque, um, and there's part of me that's like, okay, that's that's interesting. And you use your little like shrimp buddy to, to you have to throw it at it to destroy it. But um, there's a cynical part of me that's also like, oh, I see what they're doing here. Splatoon two started on Wii U and got ported to Switch, so it was kind of like an upres Wii U game. Splatoon three is being built from the ground up on Switch natively. So what if? To show off that extra graphical power, they made the world have fuzz and fur now. And there you go. That's why this mechanic exists, if you want to be cynical. But it does look fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see more. Um,
2: I mean, the, also the evolution of like the right of the mammalian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also obviously it plays any, any hand in hand like, with the story and with, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, I'm also interested to see where they're going to take that because if you didn't play the octo expansion, I really recommend you do, especially because, like, the final boss just has really interesting implications that almost kind of lead up to this. And, yeah, that's all I'll really say. And but... the trailer
0: has Kevin's favorite yeah, yeah, music. Doctor bandit Trailer.
1: Lo- I, I was literally <laughs> listening to yesterday. It's called Nasty Majesty. It's a bop. I love that song. I've never played Splatoon, but, man, that song kicks all the ass.
0: I love yeah, that song. It's, Jesus. It's... They, the music, I'm, that's another thing, they didn't really show, I mean, it was in the trailer because it was playing in the background, but I'm very curious to see what they do with the music, because I feel like there was a bit of a genre shift with each, you know, like Splatoon 1 to Splatoon 2 to Splatoon's Octo Expansion, like, the music kind of shifted, like, Octo Expansion is a little more hip-hop, right, Splatoon 2 is a little more rock, Splatoon 1 is a little more pop, or maybe I have that backwards, but I'm kind of curious what they do with Splatoon 3's music, because that is a huge part of the game, is the music, and, like, the fake bands and all that, so... I mean, they crammed a lot of footage into the like two-minute-long trailer, but there's still, you know, so much more to see. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um,
2: yeah, now we're gonna get another singing duo that is gonna put Pearl and Marina off to the side, like you know, Callie and Marie in the first one. And they'll have or, to come up with some
0: they- other, pun- although Pearl and Marina were, weren't as good of a pun. Or are they gonna mix
2: and match two of them back? But, yeah, well, well them. they're in.
0: I mean, they're in the trailer. Oh. I mean, I mean, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're
2: all, I mean, they're all in all the games. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But who's gonna really going to be the new? They were just hot
0: pop icon. They
2: highlight, yeah.
0: And why do I get the feeling they're going to do mean, some sort of uh, sea creature version of like a Billie Eilish type or something? Like kind of the alt pop. Like that seems like where they're going to go. Now that I think about it,
2: would be interesting to do like a whole band. But yeah, they did have a band in Splatoon and too.
0: Band. They had a band. It was like secondary, but there was a band.
2: No, I mean, they, they've they've always had a band. I just meant like an actual like. The band that's highlighting oh. the news and stuff. I, You know, the
0: more I think about... Like, the...
2: instead, like, instead of just two characters, like you actually have you know, a full band, and maybe you just have like, the singer that does most of the talking. The more... But... Go ahead. Oh, and you know, and if they do do a bigger band, you know, that's not just two people, that does kind of present the opportunity to do, like, Splatfest with multiple options. But that would also imply, like, multiple teams playing at the same time, so maybe not, but... I guess we don't even know what they're going to do with Splatfest, because that's obviously a big part of Splatoon. But presumably they'll be back. We'll just see to what
0: capacity. But yeah. the more I think about it, the more I'm leaning towards the new music's gonna be um, kind of an alt pop, glitched out tech influence. Like like dystop- The game's set in a dystopia, right? So like it's gonna be kind of that like jarring, dissonant. You know, alt poppy. Like I think that I'm I'm leaning more towards. It. it could be a full band, but it's definitely gonna be like kind of glitched out. Like that. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. And Nintendo's really sticking to dystopian in general, because unless there's anything else to say about Splatoon, that is also the theme of Kirby and the Forgotten Land, dystopian apocalyptic future. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the newness of this announcement versus something like Splatoon 3 or the concept of plopping Kirby in that world, but coming out of the Direct, I think as much as I enjoy playing Splatoon with you and the guys and like really am excited for that game, Like the news about Forgotten Land was probably what I was most excited about. Like. You know, we talk about how Kirby can genre hop. You know, 100% I agree. Yeah, like they're – I'm not alone. But, you know, like Kirby, there's a traditional 2D, 2D Kirby and then there's experimental Kirby. But I don't think we ever really like touch on how much that little pink blob means in town can like dress him up any which way. So like he's basically their Barbie doll, right? Because even across the different genres, we've had acrylic Kirby, clay Kirby, medieval Kirby, robot Kirby or robot suit Kirby and now post-apocalyptic Kirby. Which just looks... I mean, Kevin, what was what, exciting about to you? Just the... I mean, just the whole concept of it. Uh,
1: you know, this Kirby plopped into The Last of Us. just yes. seems like yeah. a very interesting idea. And, and it, I hope... Well, I honestly hope that there's not a lot of combat in the game. I hope that it's more of this... Yeah, exploratory. Like, a lot of environmental puzzles... Because I'm sure this game is going to be easy, just like every other Kirby game. But I would love it if, yeah, this this was just a uh, like an open world game where you just get lost in it and don't necessarily have to fight too much.
0: It it does give me vibes of more, yeah, like exploring for sure. Like I definitely got you know we're in full 3D now. His his copy abilities are there. His floating is there. It's not really set paths like the 2.5D games. But I did get the vibe that it's kind of more mario 64 mario odyssey type of exploring like not truly open world but maybe these like sandboxes you go from box to box so to speak oh sure yeah um but i do think to your point yeah we know it's gonna be easy and that's actually like the one thing that gives me slight pause is because it's so similarly structured to let's say a mario 3d world or a mario 64 um in terms of you know exploring smallish areas it's really gonna be hard not to compare it against those games and i don't necessarily mean in terms of level design although that too but i mean like in difficulty and ebb and flow of the gameplay as you kind of go around these little box like sandboxes um because like even in the direct he moves a little slow he's definitely like floaty kirby speed and they're already a little easier kirby games nintendo you know they do a sting where they release their games of this Speed, shall we say, usually in the springtime window that Forgotten Land has been given. You know, it's when Star Allies came out, it's when Woolly World came out, it's where Crafted World came out. Like, it's, there's a small part of me that's just like, I hope this doesn't end up being too simplistic, but everything about it does look absolutely great. I mean, there's something about how they, combined like the simplified geometry that is like the Kirby look and the series worlds look with this kind of overgrown, abandoned, like urban landscape. Like it really works so well. And it's just it's just nice to see Nintendo actually exploring lore from past Kirby games. Like there's always been kind of this through line of nods to him in cities and dealing with technology. You know, like Kirby Air Ride was set in cities with Planet Robobot had the technology. But I don't know if you guys remember, but in Kirby sixty four there's a world called Shiver Star that, well, Nintendo never actually outright said it's what it It's one of the
2: most commonly pointed out things that's hard to. Oh, I don't forget. know. Cause like
0: when I was a kid, my friend and I like definitely, cause we played through uh, Kirby 64 together, we rented it for Blockbuster at his house, even though I owned it, which doesn't make sense, but we rented it for Blockbuster and alternated. And I just remember when we got to that world, we were both like, wait, what is this? Cause it looks like a frozen over abandoned earth. You know, the, the planet has the same continents as ours. And as you made your way through, you kind of started in like, sort of tundras and a major range of urban areas and a mall and a toy store or a mall toy store hybrid thing and then I think a factory and just for us, because we didn't know Kirby like did that, it just was like, wait, is this is this what is this? And to have them now twenty one years later, kind of revisit that. Like I know we've talked about like this running theme of late of how Nintendo's been drawing from some early two thousands nostalgia with their current crop of games, especially this year. But to for, for them to double down on, like, the one world from the one game from 21 years ago and be like, let's expand that, that that's just pretty neat. Like, that... that and have it look as good as it does, like, that that's just kind of cool. So... It made uh 11-year-old me kind of happy to see. But... Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see how the gameplay pans out. But conceptually, I'm very, very on board with this.
1: Um... Yeah, I'm, yeah. It, this is the first time that I am excited for a Kirby game in ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, the I The only I, thing I, that would get yeah, me more excited I, I is a Kirby
1: R.I. 2, but that's pretty much it.
0: I never actually played Kirby R.I. Like, I know it's, you know, kind of, like oh, I was saying, in Cities and you only hit A and it's soccer Sakurai, but I've never actually played it.
2: No, you don't only, oh yeah, yeah.
0: You yeah. do only
2: hit A. I was, like, I was like, you don't really want to always hit A. I, I know, I played that game for the first time this year. Um, Wait, really? And yeah. Oh wow. I, well, first, really played it. The only other time I played it before was like in kiosks in the mall. Sure. Um, and very limited impressions of it at the time, where like I hate how this game controls it. Does not feel fun at all. Um, but then actually being told by my friend like how it actually works, how you control the cars. I mean the the rides and how the machines and how like each one is very unique. And then actually playing the city. Tr- the city trial or whatever it's called, like yeah, yeah. like I, I get it. Like it's it's really fun and really unique. And oh yeah, especially
0: city trial. Yeah, it's really cool.
2: Yeah, and obviously it has like Sakurai's DNA all over it. Take that as you will.
0: But, I assume yeah. that translates to bizarre menus because <laughs> that's his. It, well, that's oh, that's his like, like media Well, yeah, the menus are ripped from me. straight oh. from Meli. Like yeah. it's
2: not even subtle. It's like like someone could be walking by and being like, "Oh, you're playing Meli. Oh, oh, it's Kirby. Their ride. Right. Like they're that." To I mean,
0: let's be I real. Someone's going to walk by and go, Oh, you're playing Melee. And I'd be like, Wait, what is this other Kirby game you're playing? No one knows Air Ride. <laughs> like, no casual person's like, Oh, it's Air Ride. Everyone's favorite. But, but yeah, that's, Air Ride. yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they'd be like, Oh, you're playing Smash Bros. Oh, no, you're not. You're playing Kirby Flying on a Star. But um,
2: Oh yeah, I guess it brings it to the actual end of the podcast. Um, follow yeah, us, um, Stitcher, yeah. Tuner. Well, hold on, flipper, hold on. We
0: I feel like we flipper. need a note to drag out this time that's already so long. We need a note real quick. This is the longest episode we've done in quite a long time, two hours and fourteen minutes. With all said and done, once I'm done talking,
2: yeah, I have to squeeze a lot of things
0: in. The so episode. do I. So do I. Yeah, but that is the Nintendo direct. That is this episode. Um, I do think if there's one takeaway, kind of as like an end cap on the director, there's one takeaway. It's that. COVID really toyed with Nintendo's schedule these past 18 months, and Nintendo's really playing catch-up because 2022 in particular is looking stacked for the Switch. I mean, as it stands, Bayonetta 3, Splatoon 3, Kirby uh, and the Forgotten Land, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Breath of the Wild 2, War and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. There's rumors... Wait, pre- is that
2: how they're actually pronouncing it? I thought it was Arceus.
0: How'd I say it? Arceus? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm a Pokemon. I just know how to say Bidoof. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's you know the previously leaked, supposedly maybe kind of years, Xenoblade Chronicles Three might show up in 2022. There's other smaller scale games to be announced, but like that list I just rattled off—that's a lot of games to know this far in advance from Nintendo. We haven't known a line from Nintendo that packed this far out in years, like well before the pandemic. So, just kind of interesting that uh, you know 2022 is really shaping up more than most years for Nintendo, and that's kind of cool to see. And we'll, of course, talk about it as it comes, along with Metroid Dread and Mario Party and Pokemon and the OLED Switch all in the coming weeks. So now for the plugs, you can make sure you don't miss any other impressions of any of that uh, by subscribing to us on all the podcast apps. Angel, you already started listing them. Would you like to continue?
2: Stitcher. Uh, st-
0: you only Stipper. hear it every week. It's okay. You only know it. Google. <laughs> Sound team. Sound team. Oh, everyone's favorite. Sound team, yes. Spotify yeah,
2: yeah. podcaster app.
0: It, Amazon music mm-hmm. podcast edition. I feel like you're adding extra subtitles to all of these.
2: Uh, is that it? Uh, Apple. Oh, I guess on the site itself. Apple
0: Podcasts at ram on YouTube. Our handles ramnintendo.com. You did. You did. Pandora. Uh, you did all right. You did all right. But yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo. We're individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. Uh, our next Ram Nintendo will be on October 10th, which is OLED Switch and Metroid launch weekend. We'll see if we have enough time with either of them to talk about, but it'll be a good episode regardless. But in the meantime, on October 3rd, will be a random non-Nintendo because, you know, after two hours and 15 minutes of uh, Nintendo, maybe you want a break and want to hear us talk about other things. So you know where to find us to hear those. And Kevin, last word. I actually have nothing today.